Hello and welcome to the Dorky Diva Show. I'm your host, Savannah. And I am Brian. And we're back. Woo! We're so back. We're on we are. a scale from one to back. We're on the back part. <laughs> <laughs> we are the, the backest. We're the, we're the backs. We're, <laughs> we're, don't say we're back. Don't call it a comeback because we never left. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? We're here to stay. Yep. This we is are the beginning. <laughs> very excited to be here today because we have a very special guest. We and do. Today joining us is our very good friend Jim. Jim. So welcome to the show, Jim. Oh, hey guys. Thanks for having me. Hey. We're so excited that you're here. Yeah, we are. Oh, I'm, I'm very flattered that you invited me on to talk about Rogue One, so uh, hopefully I can well, do her justice. <laughs> we needed an expert. And, uh, uh, well, I would not go that far, but I'll, I'll that's see what okay. I can do. <laughs> I would. And you're here. So, whoop, whoop, Rogue One. Yay. Um, Jim is like one of our most loyal listeners in the universe. And we were so excited to actually meet him in person for the first time yes. at Celebration this year. Finally. Last. Oh, that was so, so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. We're just ready for Anaheim so we can hang out with everybody again already. Oh, yeah, yep. I can't come soon enough. <laughs> I, I agree. Know. I agree. I, know. I, I do have to say that one of my favorite memories from this past celebration was at the Sky Talkers panel, mm-hmm. and they did a giveaway at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what this was like our... almost embarrassing. <laughs> no, it is, it is amazing. I was uh, like, it was a perfect moment because they were like, for a giveaway... You have to answer this question, and it was like, "What was the first book review we did?" And it was boom, Rebel Rising, and who comes up? Jim. Without hesitation, it was so funny too. My head like whipped around because I was sitting like in the second row in the front, and I my head whipped around to see who answered. And I looked back, and I was like, "Of course, it's Jim." Yeah, you're like, it just seems right. And I was just wa- I was waiting for somebody else to say. I was like, "Does anybody <laughs> like seriously not know this?" Like, I thought everybody listened to that episode like twelve times because it's so amazing, <laughs> right? You're like, "Please!" And you have the best Jen costume I've ever seen. Yeah. So, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, so cool. you can you can say whatever you want, but uh, fact yeah, facts. I, I can't take credit for the costume because I didn't make it, but but you wear the hell out of was, it. Yeah, it was really really fun <laughs> being good Jin for one and day you won. <laughs> you got the yeah. book. Like I said, everything just seemed right. Yeah, I just remember at Celebration Chicago, we were like concerned about the lines for the um, arena, the Wintrust Arena. Yeah, and I think I checked my phone one day, and Jim, you had DM'd me a picture of the line out in the snow, oh and I was God, like, "That was awful." <gasps> I was like, "This is the worst." <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was good. You were like keeping us in the know, so mm-hmm. it was very much appreciated. And that was right before the Clone Wars panel, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was like the day that I was the most concerned about, and I Me was too. Just like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" But it actually worked out fine. It was all good. Um, or at least for me, I don't know. My mom waited out in the snow uh, for a while because she decided to go to the like first panel of the day, whereas oh, I just like gotcha. snuck in during the Alan Tudyk panel, and then I watched the Clone Wars panel. That's what um, I did too. I snuck in the last half of his panel, which was really good, and then yeah. stayed for the Clone Wars. I, I love, love Alan Tudyk. Yeah, mm. he's, he's so uh, relevant to our topic today. Yeah, he is. Look at this that. This is true. Oh, segues. Love a good segue. Um, so today we are talking about none other than Rogue One, and I think I teased this on our last episode because Brian was like, oh, we have no plan for our next show, and I was like, yes, we do. 
To be so, fair, yeah, I didn't. Not... <laughs> yeah, Brian is always like, he just shows up and he's like, what are we talking about today? Oh, Star Wars. <laughs> like, gotcha. I only told you three weeks ago. Speaking of, totally throwing you under the bus here. Guys, Savannah doesn't have show notes. <laughs> I repeat, Savannah is flying blind. This is not a drill. You want to know what my show notes say right now? In all bold capital letters? Yes. Rogue One with Jim. <laughs> <laughs> it's all we need. That's, that's all we need. That is all. <laughs> we have you're all absolutely we need. right. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So I feel like we're in safe hands. I'm not going to lie. Uh, podcasts are built on hope. (laughs) (laughs) Right out the gate. This is the best decision you've ever made. I'm so excited right now. Oh God, this is going to be the best. It is. Um, yeah. So we're just going to talk about Rogue One, like chronologically through the movie and Brian, or not Brian, uh, Jim apparently has a ton of show notes. Brian does not have show notes. (laughs) No surprise. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, no, wrong name. Um, what if there's a conspiracy that I actually do have show notes? But I, oh. but I purposefully don't use them out of spite. That is just cruel. <laughs> that is Unreal. Cruel, cruel, cruel. How dare thought. you? Yeah. yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I'm excited because I feel like Jim is on my team this time. And I feel like in some of our past episodes, our guest has been on Brian's side. And, yeah. you know, I've been railroaded too many times here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I think we're the all going to be on show. the same side, though, because this movie is we amazing. Movie so <laughs> this is That's the most true. perfect Star Wars movie ever. I'm just going to say it. I it second that. is flawless. Mm. It's very good. Um, I kind of wanted to go back in time for a minute, though. Okay. And think about when we first saw this movie and talk about our initial impressions, how we felt in the theater, how we felt walking out of the theater. Tell me about your first time seeing this movie, Jim. Oh, I absolutely loved it from the start. And like you said, Brian, in the past, my initial reaction was that it was very powerful and profound and compelling. And it's something I hadn't said before about a Star Wars movie, but I think it was the hope and the sacrifice and the the perseverance that made it so powerful and compelling for me. So, yeah, I just absolutely loved this movie from the start. Do you guys remember the, I don't know if it was the first trailer, but like one of the trailers that came out for this movie and it was just like the Imperial alarm, like blaring. Oh, yeah. That that was the teaser. Yeah, that was the teaser. Okay, I remember watching that teaser when it came out on repeat for like an entire day and like somehow magically I didn't have classes because I was in college when this movie came out and somehow magically I didn't have classes that day and I just put the teaser on my TV in my dorm and I literally watched it all day because it was just so (laughs) like chilling and I had never seen anything like that before that made me feel like I was scared almost I was like oh my gosh this is a crazy teaser but it was really cool um what about you I was just going to say with that teaser, the music that, that starts yes. it is really good. Like the piano, it's yes. awesome. The yes. first time I saw the movie? Yeah. Or the teaser? Okay. So the Either mo- one. The, uh, well, the teaser, obviously, I was like, God, oh, dear God, do, do you hear it? Do you hear it? There's rebels. But yeah. I, they, we just had, uh, you know, there's like that Facebook memories thing mm-hmm. uh, of the, the reel that had like Radis and Pow yes. and Bistan. And mm-hmm. I was like, they're making a movie about Rebels and there's aliens! <laughs> yeah, so, so I was pretty pretty uh, over the moon like uh, six months before it even came out. Yeah. Um, when I think of the teasers, I always think of the TIE fighter shot that's not in the movie. 
Yeah. I, that's, um, yeah. That's, that's why my brain always goes is Jin facing down a TIE fighter. And I was like, that mm. is so hardcore. And yeah. I love it. Didn't get it, but that's okay. Because the movie is still flawless. So, yeah. First time I saw it. Uh, so, I've, I've told this story before. But, like, the... But walking in, uh, I was talking to Monique. And I was like, hey, listen. So, I don't know what's about to happen. But there's a chance Darth Vader's in this. And I was like, if oh we God. see his lightsaber, <laughs> it's going to be terrifying. Yeah. And she's like, yeah? Like, I was like, no, no, no. For real. Like, these, there's no Jedi in this. These are people. And Darth Vader, everyone thinks it's a joke. It's like, oh, I'm your father. It's like, no, he is the most terrifying being in the galaxy. Uh, so if we see that lightsaber, it's going to get pretty crazy. And she was like, okay, whatever you say. So when that <laughs> scene happened, I was like, <gasps> I was right. <laughs> uh, and that's how they end the movie. So I was like, oh, God. Because yeah. I've had nightmares of that exact same thing as a kid. Of like being uh, in a, I had being nightmares in the, hallway the and night I saw the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I walked out of there buzzing because it was like, ah, ah. I think yeah. we all had that same reaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. dear Lord. He just, it's, oh. It's fun because I love the lead up to every new Star Wars movie. Like I love, you know, when there's like panels at conventions or press interviews and like all the marketing stuff. And I remember um, at Celebration London, they had a Rogue One panel. And that was a very special moment for me because it was the first time I saw Kathy Kennedy and I cried. And not the first time I saw her, but the first time I saw her and cried. Um, but I remember being in that panel and the guy that plays Bays spoiled the fact that they all died. (laughs) (laughs) And we were all just like, I remember I was sitting next to my mom and we just looked at each other like, did we hear that right? And then Gwendolyn Christie was the panel moderator and she was like, she just had no idea what to do. Like she, yeah, I think, I think she, she was, was like, "We'll just have to leave it there." I think, I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, really it was awkward. Awkward, and I love her to death, but I don't think she was like the best uh, panel moderator to begin with because she was just like yeah. so overjoyed to be there, mm. um, which is Disney, not a, a bad me. quality. But it was just so funny because after he said that, we were all just like, "What? What?" <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I think they I think they even cut that out in the the panel that's online, yeah. So they I've never did. actually really seen like him spoiling the movie, but yeah, that's just what it I was heard. like it was like a you could hear a pin drop, but there's also like whispers of like, did he really say that? Did you just hear what I heard? <laughs> you know, everybody's uh, just like looking at each other. Um, so that was really funny. But I remember when I saw this movie, I went and saw it with a few of my friends in Orlando, and. They are like the biggest X-Wing pilot fans ever. And so throughout the movie, they're just like, oh, my gosh, X-Wings. This is so cool. And then at the end, the scene with Vader happened. And then that night, I went and spent the night at their house. And like, here I am in their guest room all by myself. And I was terrified. I was like in the dark. And I was like, Vader is going to come through this door and kill me right now. Like, I seriously had nightmares (laughs) that night about that scene. Um, And I remember calling Brian and we talked about the movie for like four hours, I think. Yeah. That's I mean, it, it was a Only long, four hours? Right? It was yeah. a long phone call. Yeah, Savannah has to do this sleep thing, whatever that is. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it, not. And also you have to say, you've seen director Krennic in real life. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wait, what? Because didn't didn't uh, yeah the panel yeah didn't Ben Mendelsohn come oh, out as yes. director Krennic? Yes, so you've yes, seen yes. the real director I Krennic. Have. Oh, that's and amazing. You I'm know so what's, envious. You right? Know what like stinks is at the time I honestly didn't know who he was, and oh, then since God. then I've watched like Bloodline and uh, several of his other movies and stuff and i'm literally in love with him like He's i love amazing him. Mm-hmm. i'm in love with him and you know looking you back on that i'm even like appreciate it, it i could have reached out and grabbed his hand <laughs> it always happens to the ones that can't appreciate it that was awkward though at the panel he like came out with the death troopers and he just like walked around Stood and there. then he left <laughs> yeah well, and it was let's like, be honest isn't that what would cool, happen but it was awkward <laughs> isn't that what would happen in real life though let's be honest I don't know. I feel like he'd give a speech or something about how great he is. And then I would give him a speech about how much I love him. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I totally forgot about that, though. I would never forget about it. And I wasn't even there. (laughs) Yeah, It's always them, Jim. Mm -mm -mm. Let's get into this movie, guys. Let's do it. Shall we? Jim, do you want to like start it off? Because I feel like you're so prepared for this. You don't have I, to, but I'm gonna. I I, I, I don't know if I would say I'm that prepared, but sure, I don't mind uh, steering the ship a little bit. So go I, for it. I guess we're gonna start with the prologue on Lemu, right? When Krennic's yeah. trying to recruit Galen to come back and finish the Death Star, and mm-hmm. you so know, Catalyst definitely adds a lot of color to the scene. But I didn't read it before the movie, but I felt like I still understood the relationships between the characters through the the great acting and dialogue. I don't know what mm-hmm. you guys think. Oh, I definitely think so. And mm-hmm. I remember when I watched this, I was just a little confused. Um, about like who Galen was like I remember seeing the a lot of the marketing material like oh he's Jin's father but I didn't know until we saw Jin that you know like it was set you know years before when we would see her all grown up in the rest of the movie Um, because I saw this little girl but I didn't realize who she was until the rest of the family was there but I never really felt like that relationship needed to be explained and because Brian hounded me for like forever (laughs) I did read Catalyst and it does add a lot more to it but I think that's the thing that I love so much about the movie is you don't have to do like all the research before watching this to understand what's going on Mm -hmm. I kind of compare it to like Lord of the Rings I think in Fellowship of the Ring you can understand within 30 seconds that Bilbo and Gandalf have a relationship and you don't have to go watch the entire Hobbit trilogy to understand that because acting the dialogue is just that great and I think it's the same way with Rogue One you're right you guys were you guys surprised at all uh, that there was no crawl? Because this was the very first standalone that we got, right? I think I yes. knew that going in that same. there wasn't going to be a crawl. Yeah, same. How did it feel though? Like, because I, because it like kind of like just jolts you into what's going on. Yeah, it, it felt weird because it's different, and I mean, it, it's going to feel weird either way. But it works for me now. I mean, I, it wasn't like I had like a big issue with it or anything. Yeah, right. I love and, it. I think it would be really weird if you had a crawl too, just like with the pacing of like the first 10 minutes. Like if you had a crawl and then the prologue and then you don't have like the Rogue One title coming in, then you're immediately going to Jin and Wabani and like the, the pacing would be kind of weird then. Right. I agree. I totally agree. The The prologue that we get basically, t- you know, takes the place of having a crawl. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> same. Same, same. I love yeah, the I- Rogue One theme too. It's been oh, my ringtone too. since the movie came out. Aww. Yeah, hold on. I got it here. 
Maybe. Yeah, one one of the moments that I really like in the prologue though is when Jin gets to uh, the bunker and she's in the bottom of it and she ignites that lantern in the darkness and it, mm-hmm. that's essentially a symbol of hope that despite all the bad things that have already happened, things are going to get better. So I don't know. I just thought the scene did a really great job of establishing the tone of the movie and setting up who Jin is and what she's lost. Yeah, I totally agree. Come, we have a long ride ahead of us. <laughs> The beginning is just so perfect. I love the scenery. I love the muted colors, but green is like so bright. Mm. And just the way like Krennic and Galen talk to each other. I I just, I love it all so much. Um, I love the little actress that plays young Jin. She's so stinking cute. And Mm -hmm. she did a really great performance. Um, like I, I was like worried for her. I was like, Oh my God, is she going to make it? You know, <laughs> he knows they have a child. <laughs> That's um, true. That's true. But, and, uh, can we just talk about Krennic's rain cape for a second? Like, of course. Of course he has a rain cape. Of course he does. And I need it. <laughs> I, I love how the wind, wind is like pushing him forward. It's like inconveniencing him. You can see yeah. that he's like so irritated by it. <laughs> yeah. I was actually watching Rogue One like a week ago and I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, it's interesting that the cape or the wind isn't like making his cape look beautiful and flowy and regal. It's like, it's like, no, we have an issue here. Like it's not giving him that badass effect that he needs. It's just like blowing all over the place. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. I love the prologue because I was uh, I was lucky enough that I had just finished Catalyst right before the movie came out, and so well, uh, I mean, <laughs> look at you. I don't want to brag about it, but I'd read the book, and uh, the that opening scene is one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie because of the context from the book. Mm-hmm. Like the like, I always bring up the line when Krennic says, "You know, oh Lyra, troublesome as ever." I was like, that line is so passive aggressive <laughs> mm-hmm. because of everything that happened in catalyst and krennic does not like lyra because she was always mm-hmm. like sticking up for galen when he wanted to like lead galen his way mm-hmm. and the fact that she's still after all of this the fact that he's been looking for them for so long and I then know. he finally found them and then he's like ah yep lyra's still here huh all right here we and go the, the delivery is just so perfect too. yes oh lira really troublesome is. as ever <laughs> it's so good he's like yep still annoying trying to have a conversation <laughs> here she, you're not taking him it's so good i lo- i i absolutely love that scene. i love that oh it's lira back from the dead yeah it's exactly a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle yeah. yeah he's just like please i know she's not dead and like and little digs too you know like farming really it's yeah, like, it's like yeah, that's that's Krennic. I love it. Love yeah, within a minute, it. we automatically know like who Krennic is, what kind of person exactly. that he is. <laughs> exactly, I love it. It's mm-hmm. so it's so Star Wars. Oh, definitely. I I absolutely love the Death Troopers too. Like uh, right now, as we're recording this, the Sith Trooper is like the hot thing to talk about. But I remember seeing the Death Troopers as soon as, like, pictures came out, you know, showing their cool armor, and I was immediately drawn to them. Um, And I think their design is super cool, and I love that they have, like, a really... um, I don't even know how to describe it, but the way they talk to each other, the way they communicate. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's like like, scrambled. Yeah, it's scrambled, and it's, like, robotic, and I love it. And the Death Trooper that picks up Jin's Stormtrooper doll, like, I love that. Yeah. Um, 
They're I just think, super cool. I, I think they're the most intimidating. Like, if I saw a squad oh, of sure. death troopers coming down the street, I would be very concerned. <laughs> for sure. Especially because they're all, like, six too. feet. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah it's that's definitely too. the height, for sure. They're, oh, they dude. are terrifying. Like, mm, I'm only 5'2". If I were to walk up to a death trooper, I'd be like hello up there like it's please a, don't step on me how's the weather and they just yeah, blah, 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 blah. yeah. well I, I guess it's very fitting that they're called death troopers yeah yeah that's true that's true i i i have to give a shout out to somebody who doesn't even listen to this show <laughs> but i have a buddy named chris buckholtz who is a tattoo artist he's awesome but he is the biggest death trooper fan i've ever met so much so that he has a death trooper collection and he wow. has almost every single piece of Death Trooper merchandise that's been released. That's awesome. Like down to Japanese vending machine keychains. Whoa. Like, like that's everything. Hardcore. It's amazing. I was like, Qui-Gon goals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so every time I think of Death Troopers, I think of my buddy Chris. Because it's, I mean, he's got the hot toys. He's got the Anovos helmet. He has everything you can think of that's Death Trooper. And they're pretty hardcore. Yeah. Sounds if I were like a really tall dude, I'd be like, so about having that costume. I'd be like, yes, I need this. Right? right? They're pretty, so cool. they're pretty intense. Yeah. For sure. I think it's the, I think it's definitely the height too. Cause stormtroopers, you can kind of see them as like, you know, there's that whole thing with stormtroopers that they miss a lot. You know, aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? Yeah, like they I can mean. be the butt of a joke. There's yeah. no butt of the jokes when it comes to death Mm-mm. troopers. <laughs> I don't want to no. make fun of one of those guys. <laughs> no, no. You saw what they did to Baze. <laughs> we don't. Oh, uh, it's not good. No. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Death troopers, man. Too soon to talk about that, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an open wound. All right. I don't choose when the pain comes out. It's always on the surface. <laughs> Yeah, but no, that scene is great. I love the the transition from the prologue to the title screen and the music. Mm-hmm. It's just so cool, you know. It's like hey, you're still alive. Come on, we we got this. And then just like massive fanfare, and it's like Rogue One, and I'm like, oh, I know. And the song is already very hopeful, you know. Oh, yeah. When they when they yep. show the title, and it's like, I love oh, it. Okay, all right. That yeah. that right there is my ringtone. Ever since Ooh. the movie came out, I so you know that big fanfare. Uh, I couldn't find like a, a ringtone ringtone. So what I did was I found the soundtrack on YouTube and I played it on my laptop speaker and recorded it. And mm-hmm. that's what my ringtone is. So if I were to call you right now, it would do that? Yep. You want to test it? Yeah. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Stand by, guys. This is live. Okay. Oh, here we go. <laughs> wow. I yep. love it. Yep. You set that as your morning alarm. That would definitely jolt you out of bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, Hello, world. Let's kill some Imperials. <laughs> <laughs> I go, all right. Just got to get going. There's a long ride ahead of me. Yeah. Ugh, all right. Yep. So After the fanfare, true. though, we meet Jin as an adult. And Brian, there's an alien. There is. Played by Kieran Shaw. Of course you know that. <laughs> <laughs> What Dude, kind Kieran of an alien is legend? that? That is a good question. I know its name is Nail. Oh. I don't know. I don't know oh, that I know, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what is Nail's species? Stand by! I have no idea. Yeah, because Nail, Nail is in um, Rebel Rising as well. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a, her cellmate. Oh, yeah, it's a woman, too. That's another thing. 
Oh. That, li- that little thing. I know. I know. Let's see. Rogue One Nail Kieran Shaw. This is what we call buzzword Googling. <laughs> what do we got? Boom. Kieran Shaw. Performer. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. What is this? This is the best podcasting I've ever done. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. The full name is Ulan Musters, also known as Kennel, despite identifying to herself to others as Nail. Look at that. Hmm. She is a... That is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Blue-topian. Wow. What? Blue-topian? What a cool species name. It seems fitting, though. Yeah, it does. A little That's face tendrils. As good as devil squids, Brian. I know. <laughs> oh man, that we is our to band to our name. Patreon episode to get that reference. But. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like, I like Nail a lot. Yeah, I really love this scene, though. I, I think it's incredible. I, yeah, I th- and you can tell just by Felicity's facial expressions that Jin's just completely consumed in apathy and resentment. But that makes sense considering that extreme trauma that we just saw her suffer as a little girl. So I thought this scene just did a really great job of setting um, Jin's telling us who Jin is as an adult and what her mindset is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And we get to see a planet side prison. That's something we haven't seen before. Because mm-hmm. we usually see them in like imperial installations and whatnot. Yeah, it's essentially like a concentration camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And Nuts. then we jump to the Ring of Caf. Caf. Caffrine. 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 You're embarrassing me in front of Jim. Caffrine. It's like two it's M's. Like, <laughs> think like think like caffeine, Serene. but with an R in there. That just threw me off even more. I'm just gonna think of like serene, caffeine. Okay, that works. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gets you there. <laughs> Which um, is one of the coolest planet designs in all of Star Wars. Yeah, very. Yeah, cool. that's really cool. Yep. And then we get the. So this was Rogue One was full of moments when I was like, oh, okay, like was not expecting this at all to go this way. Yeah. And this scene uh, with Tivik and Cassian. Uh, you know, we knew going in that Cassian was, you know, like a rebel captain. And we're not really like, all right, cool, whatever. And then we see him shoot someone in the back. And I was like, mother of God. I was God. so thrown <laughs> off. I remember when this happened. And I was like, wait, I thought he was supposed to be a good guy. I'm so confused right now. I was like literally so thrown off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this movie's different. Uh-oh. There's yeah. It's, a, it's the first time we see him compromising on his ideals, which is like a huge part of his story. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. I love how gritty this outpost is. Like, I love yeah. the scene of Cassian walking through the crowds, and there's, like, stormtroopers there, and you see all different types of people and aliens, and it's dark, and it's, like, dingy. And a Twi'lek. And a Twi'lek. I hope we'll this is what the Cassian series kind of looks like, too. I mean, I know oh, it's, I think yeah. it's like, set mm-hmm. so early, but I love that, like, dark, gritty look. Yeah, you really, you feel the suppression of the Empire, for sure, in this yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. between Tivik's hesitation and Cassian's aggressiveness, you really see the lack of trust within the rebellion too, and that lack of trust ultimately holds them back from taking down the Empire and making an impact. I mean, they've been mm-hmm. fighting this war for what nineteen years, and they still haven't been able to make a real impact. And mm-hmm. I think that's partly attributable to that lack of trust. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Spies, man, they've been in this fight since they were six, six years, years old. old. <laughs> 
I love him. I'm so excited that they're doing a show about him because I just love Diego Luna. He's so great. Same. Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with him. He's uh, he, he wants to touch the yaba. I just want to <laughs> oh feel the God. texture. Yeah, I, I hope that Cassian has a scene with Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> it's possible. It, just, is possible. it is very possible. He's all about the underworld and getting secrets however he can. And, uh, you know, he just he wants to touch the texture. I just oh. I want to feel him. I do not know why. <laughs> Yabba. I, lo- I dude, don't I love want. Diego okay, Luna. so this is what I want. In the show, I want him to meet Jabba, but then okay. I want to get a really great behind the scenes featurette of Diego Luna just talking about getting to touch Jabba. Oh, they'll <laughs> yes. have to release it. Yes. yes. They, ha- they yes. have to. My favorite behind the scenes photo in all of Star Wars is a scene, is a, a picture of Diego Luna and Admiral Raddus, mm-hmm. and he's just like beaming. It's just Aww. you just see like a crowd. You see the back of Admiral Raddus's head, and just Diego Luna with the biggest smile ever. Like oh, I don't think I've seen that one, dude. I'm hunt that one down. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna find it. It is incredible. He's just so happy, and yeah, it's it's my favorite. That one in Qui Gon, like with the sunglasses. I was like, oh, that one's perfect. <laughs> gold, golden. Um, yeah. Then we jump to Jeddah, which is one of my favorite planets in Star Wars now. Jetta's uh, pretty moon. awesome. It's a moon, actually. Yeah, it's the moon. Oh, yes. you're right. Look it's at that. And I stand ready to destroy the entire moon. You're right. Look at that. We you did know. it. It's a moon, not a planet. <laughs> <laughs> um, this made me literally jump out of my seat in the theater because they show a Shadow Scout type person. Like they have a yeah. Shadow Scout helmet. And I have a Shadow Scout costume. You and do. I was like, oh, my God, it's me. Like, I was yeah. so excited. <laughs> um, and Two Tubes, man, he is freaking awesome. Like, oh, yeah, he is. I love Two Tubes. Um, Same. This is when we get to meet Bodhi for the first time. Bodhi. Yeah, I think what I like most about Bodhi is how committed he stays to his decision to defect because I guess you could compare it to, like, getting a new job that's supposed to be better, but it's actually worse initially. (laughs) But you just kind of push through it, and it ultimately works out in the end. And I think that's kind of where Bodhi's at with this. He's just trying to find his place within the rebellion. But I like how committed he stays and sees his decision through to the end. I like that a lot. Same. He's, He's such an interesting character because he's, like, I don't know if schizophrenic is the right word, but, you know, he's always, like, on edge it's a all little the time. Antsy. Yeah, he's a little antsy, but, Which, like, to the if max. You're defecting, <laughs> if you're defecting from the empire that rules the entire galaxy, you might be a little oh, twitchy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get it. But it's... it's I, I love the core group of characters in this movie because they're all so different from anything we've seen before in Star Wars. Yep. And he, for sure, is, like... A shining light like i can't even compare him to any other character because i think he stands on his own two feet um i really like him and i liked when after they captured him they pan out on jedi and you see the fallen statue of the jedi in the sand i think that's super cool same same yeah, Je- jedi is just a really great example of world building i think between all the, mm-hmm. the history of the jedi and then later as we're going to see with all the costume and creature designs it's, yeah. it's just a really rich environment yeah i agree when, when my husband and i were watching this last week i said to him like i hope one day we get to see jedi again from you know way prior to rogue one because i'm really curious to see what it looked like, like when that statue was actually standing, you know, like what mm-hmm. did the rest of the moon look like? Uh, um, agreed. When it was I, operational and there were Jedi exactly. going there all the time. 
Yeah, like I really want to see that. How cool would that be? Same, same. <sighs> Check they out. Could, a Star they Wars could comic. bring it back in the Benioff and Weiss stuff if they go like really far back and if Jetta's yeah. like really that old, <laughs> it could that work. Would be super cool. That Please. would be really cool. And I, I would it. love that sort of tie-in. Um, I just think that would be so awesome. Mm-hmm. I agree. I still am hoping for a Jetta cameo in Episode Nine. Yeah, I know too. it's a pipe dream. But, come on. Ray read some ancient texts. There's hopefully going to be more Jedi stuff in this. There's a Jedi temple there. Well, actually, no, there isn't. I take it back. Oh, man, just bummed myself out. Well, we don't know that officially. Jedi's a big that's, place. It is that's a moon, true. There could be so. more than one. That's right. We know Jedi City's not there anymore. But there could be more. We don't know. We got to hold it. Hold. We need to keep our hope up, Jim. We can't. We can't give in. Episode 9 is built on hope. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. Oh, man. I was like, oh, it'd be cool to see how that temple operated. Oh. All of it. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Then we go to Wobani. Yeah, we do. Wobani. Wobani. And we get to see a tank. Yeah. Oh, I about lost it when I saw that. <laughs> I was so excited. Same. <laughs> Anyone that's like they're clone thing, yeah, it's that's that's one of the things I think Rogue One does so well is tie the two trilogies together. Yeah, yes. so. there's just enough to be like, okay, yeah, this is there's some prequel stuff here, but this is clearly a original trilogy era uh, movie. But there's right. so much callbacks, like even just having that tank there was like. That's all we need. You know what I mean? We're right. like, oh, snap, this is after Clone Wars, and now it's been repurposed by the Empire. This makes total sense. It's uh, just, I, I love totally it. agree. It's like literally the perfect bridge, and like you said, you see the tank, but then like right after that, we go to Yavin 4, and it's like, ah, oh, these two things are so close in time. Like, exactly. this is the bridge that we've been wanting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. 100%. I love that so much. And I, I talk about this a lot. Um, obviously, like, everybody knows I don't really read a whole lot, but there are a lot of books that fill in the gaps within Star Wars and even the animated shows fill in gaps, but it's really cool to see it in a movie because it, the style looks the same because it's on film. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I love about this movie so much is that it's just like so tangible and you can see everything and I love it so much. Mm -hmm. I wish every movie was like Rogue One. (laughs) I would never Same. get tired of it. Same. Definitely not. Well, maybe so we'll good. get a lot of that in the Cassian show. I think we will. That would be amazing. I'm so glad they went with Cassian. Because they could have done a million things. Yeah. And just the fact that they chose Cassian and K2 out of everything they could have made a show about, it's just, man. Thank Warms you, Disney. my heart. It does. I, I, think, I think my first choice would have been having them re- do an animated show of Rebel Rising and bring Ooh. Felicity back. And- did the voiceover for it. See, that would have been my read, first choice. I haven't read that. Dude, oh, it's, it's so really good. good. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, that's you, definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> you want you want to talk about how hardcore Saw Gerrera is? Read Rebel Rising. Ooh. He is. Maybe that'll like. Maybe if I read that, it'll make me appreciate him more. It's. I mean, you start to see his kind of descent into mm-hmm. like why Mon Mothma doesn't want to work with him in that book. Yeah. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. like the tiny little nugget to get you interested. There's a part when he hears that somebody might be an Imperial spy, and then he's like, it's probably this guy. So they, like, beat oh, him up. They, they, like, beat him up, tie him on the back of a speeder, drive right outside of an Imperial encampment, and kick Just him off and then leave him. There. What? Yeah. 
Yeah, oh my it's gosh. Awful. It's hardcore. And, and the, <laughs> the stuff in the concentration camp is like really, really intense. Yeah. Wow. It's nuts. And it really goes into like how he trained Jin to fight and like it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And definitely check out the audiobook if you can, because the yes. woman who narrates it, she sounds exactly like Felicity Jones. Oh, she good. See, that'll make me job. enjoy it more. I like mm. audiobooks. That's good. good. Yeah, and then when you're really, done, really, really listen to the Beth Revis episode of the Interesting Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know I've already listened to that. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah, but now you'll know what we're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah before you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, he's talking about the 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 fish people. and the mer- Okay, yep. All right. Now you'll know. Yeah. It's really good. Read Rebel Rising. Okay, I will. It. And then we'll Consume have Jim back it. on and we'll talk about it. Yes. <laughs> Boom. Um, so this is also when we meet K2 for the very first time, and I instantly fell in love with him. I Same. think we all did. Congratulations. Yep. You are being You're rescued. Being rescued. <laughs> Please do not resist. Yep. Oh, I love him. Yeah, it's yeah. really the perfect humor. Like, for me, I know humor is very subjective, but this is, like, mm-hmm. the exact kind of humor I like to see in Star Wars. Yeah, I was going to mention that, too. Like, it, I think it pops up again, like, when we're further along in the movie, but uh, his humor and the humor throughout this movie feels really natural to me, and I've talked about before on our podcast how some humor in, like, the sequel trilogy or even some of the other Star Wars content to me feels really forced. But, like, when <laughs> Chirrut sticks his little cane on the stormtrooper's foot, and he's like, is your foot all right? Like, I just, I love <laughs> yes. that. Um, so the Same. humor throughout this and K2's humor is just, like, right up my alley. And I think that's a huge reason why I love this movie as well, because I think some of the humor in other Star Wars content has, like, kind of uh, pulled me away from what's happening because it's distracting, whereas this... It feels natural. More. Yeah, and it makes, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just so great. It's really great. I love it. Yeah. I agree. There's like a, they figured out a way to where Star Wars is fun. And mm-hmm. Rogue One has the, I don't know how they did it, but they're able to have like super heavy emotional hits, have the weight of the galaxy and what's going on in the conflict, as well as having fun humor. Like it's mm-hmm. not a joke for the sake of being a joke. It's like, and there's a fresh one if you mouth oh, off again. That's my like, favorite yeah. line <laughs> in the entire movie, yes. Which that that is a testament to Alan Tudyk. Yes. I mean, there's been panels and panels talking about how like they just let Alan go and then the animators were like, Oh yeah, no, we're gonna use that for sure. Right. Because he just he got it. Like mm-hmm. Alan Tudyk is one of the best actors of our time, just yeah. in general. Uh, but his comedic timing is better than literally everyone. Like and having incredible. people who are very good at ad-libbing and not just reading off jokes that have been written for them, I think that's the best part, too. Totally agree. That's like why it's so natural. You have to be a funny mm-hmm. person. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It, so well. it, is a, it is a real moment that they captured, and that's why it sounds so natural, because it is. You know, and you can, you can write all you want. That's why we're excited for the Cassian show. I know. It. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I did the, so the Void, the Secrets of the Empire thing. Oh. oh. And yeah. K2's in that. And I was like, oh, my God, it's K2. And I was like, yeah. I was I was freaking out. Everyone's like, yeah, K2. I was like, no, it's K2. Oh, no. Have yeah. you done that, Jim? Have you done the VR thing? I haven't. I've heard it's amazing. Oh, Dude, it is. So cool. You I can reach out and touch time. K2. You uh, can. I, I feel like I get like vertigo or something, like motion sickness from it. It'd be too it's intense. It's a little trippy. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. It's a little I did it, bit. I did it with one of my friends, and I had to like hold her hand a couple times because it was. It just feels too real, honestly. Mm-hmm. And there's like a couple parts where you're walking on a very thin. 
platform and you're just like, oh my gosh, if I take one step to the right, I'm literally going to die in lava. You know, <laughs> it feels super <laughs> Which real. is a great feeling. Yeah, so great. But it's cool. Yeah, K2 is in it. and So is Cassian. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, there's new Diego Luna as Cassian Andor content in that ride. I was oh, like, really? freaking out. Yeah, he's like t- telling you about like your mission and what they're trying to do and where you need to make the pick up and drop off. And I was like, oh my God, this is Cassian saying lines I don't know. It's really yeah. cool. Oh, it's awesome. Really cool. Yeah, I recommend it. It's I guess cool. Jim will have to just come to Florida and we'll just all do it together. I'll have to come to Florida too. Uh, I'm yeah. actually going down in the fall, so I might oh, have to perfect. add that to my list. Sweet. Savannah, <laughs> balls in your court. Yep, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, so then we make it to, to Yavin 4. Yep. And this was like the most, like, it, it was almost like an out-of-body experience seeing this because you were like, holy cow, am I watching A New Hope or what? Because right. they just perfectly matched everything and and you get to see Chopper eventually on Yavin 4, which is yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah, it took me four times to Yeah, it, it took me a few too. It's really, like, really quick. I remember, because uh, I I mean, there's so much going on. I, you have mm-hmm. to watch it twice, and that counts as one when mm-hmm. you first see it. Because that, that's what I always, when I watch Star Wars for the first time, I'm like, that. it's so overwhelming. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I see, it's like the first time I'm picking everything out. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, is that, oh, oh, crazy. oh, what's that? The second time, it's like I can actually watch it. Yeah. And like digest it because as massive Star Wars fans, I mean, you guys know, new Star Wars, we destroy it. Like, what is this? And like tear it apart and find out what the cells are made of. It's like, <laughs> we must know it all. Uh, the second time I can actually watch it. And Chopper, that's the way that they did that where it's just at the end and it's like, wah, 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 and it's like, was that... Was that Chopper? Yeah, it makes yeah, it like, do a double take and where you're thinking like, really, did I just see that? Yeah, I, I w- it was probably my fifth time before I saw him. And even that, it was really? like, I, yeah, like I half saw him. I was like, what? Because, I mean, wow. the the guy's running out, and he's like, you know, Senator! And you're like, okay, that's a big deal. Like, you, you shouldn't be looking in the background. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it, the fifth time, I was like, was that? No. And then the sixth time, I was like, oh, my God, it's Chopper. Wow. Yeah. I think I saw him on my second or third time. Well, but it's because somebody said, "Hey, Chopper is here." Oh, so that like doesn't count. Well, I you just cheated. happened to see it. I didn't cheat. I didn't look for it. <laughs> happened to hear it. Sounds about like it sounds like you totally looked for it. No, I did not. I mean, I don't think I saw it until the Blu-ray even came out. Really? Thank you, Jim. Yeah. But I, I was super late to Rebels. Like I didn't get into Rebels until like after oh. the Rogue One Blu-ray. So that's probably oh. why. <laughs> sure. That's kind of cool, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm down. How many? So how many times did you end up seeing it in theaters? Three. Nice. Mm-hmm. Savannah? Um, it was like three or four. Not bad. Not bad. No, maybe more. Honestly, I'm not sure. That's I, okay. I know I saw The Force Awakens like nine times. Yeah, me too. Um, I only saw that one three times too. Only three times. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw Rogue One like three or four times. Not bad. What did you think of uh, what is his name? I'm blanking on it now. The general, um, Dodonna. No, not Dodonna. The other guy, Draven. Draven. Yep, that's the one. He's kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a he was like the other side of the coin for me. With so we see like a morally ambiguous Cassian shooting Tivik in the back. This guy was like, oh, this is like that, but in but higher up in the ranks. 
you know, very spy, very like, you know, if you got a shot, take it, kill him if you have to. I understand right. we're the rebels, but also like, you know, he's an imperial scientist. A Come little on. dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's not afraid to give the order that he probably shouldn't, but he does anyway. Yeah, Draven's Draven's Draven, isn't he? Um, I love that they brought Genevieve O'Reilly into play. Yes. Oh, she was brilliant. She finally got her moment because she was cut from Revenge of the Sith. It's true. And this is another prequel tie-in. Having her there adds, like, I don't want to say validity, but kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. I think so. You know, it's like, oh, this is what we know. Like, Like having Bale. Having Bail yeah. Organa show up for people <gasps> that are prequel fans, we're like, <gasps> that's Bail Organa. When Bail walks in, I, like I was watching this last week, and I was like, he's such a babe. Look at him. Look at him and all his royalty. He is a royalty. beautiful man. He, I love the reveal where he just like steps into the light, and he looks you know, a little bit older and a little more tired, and you're just like, yep. oh my gosh, there he is. That's right. He's here. I love him so much. Also, fun fact, he wasn't actually there on set. Boom. What? Yeah, he shot wow. his own scenes. No yeah. way. I had no idea. Yep. No way. I I wish you hadn't told me that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same. You just wrote it for me, Brian. No, it's a, it's a testament to how good they are at movies because you had no idea. He wasn't even there? Yeah, he was not in the room with everybody That's else crazy. in the in the war like in the war room scene, how you know, you like know toward the end. I uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that cool? Wow. Like the, wow. you'd never know. They're that good. See, um, my dad, who is not a Star Wars fan, he in my opinion, I think he looks kinda like Bail Organa in Rogue One. And, you know, he's got like his gray hair a little bit and his face looks really similar. And I was like, dang it, if my dad was into Star Wars, I could dress him up as Bail Organa, and I'd be on Mothma. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh. How cool would that be? Because I think, I mean, I don't look like her in the face, but I could make my hair sort of look like Mon Mothma's hair. Oh, you totally yeah. could. I can be Radis. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sean would fight you for that. I think he would fight you to be Radis. Okay, that's a good point. So then, let's see. Who could I who be? Who could you be? I'll be, uh, I'll, <gasps> I'll be Red Seven. <laughs> okay. I'll be Harb Binley. Benjamin, Har- Benjamin Jim Hartley. Benjamin Hartley. Boom! Yeah. I'll stand behind <laughs> you with a mustache looking very concerned. <laughs> we got the whole scene here, guys. Uh, I, I like it. it. And then randomly, what is she proposing? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go speak. Yeah, we can we can do this whole thing all day long. Yeah. I like it. I think this is a really good scene for Jen too, though, because I, th- I think she agrees to the mission because, I mean, one, it's going to secure her freedom away from the fight that took everything away from her. But mm-hmm. she also wants closure with her father because up until now, she's only known him as a traitor and a coward. But now that she knows he's making this weapon of mass destruction and is also willing to cooperate with the rebellion, she wants to discover the truth for herself. So she can have closure with that and put her past behind her. Otherwise, it's like just always something that would be in the back of her head nagging her. Like, oh, you you could be wrong about your father, but you don't know for sure. And that's right. why she wants closure with this. Right. It's true. I mean, it's a great line. You know, like she has some really good stuff in this scene when she talks about, uh, you know, uh, she, uh, she likes to think he's dead. It's easier that way. Oh, I was like, oh, nice. Because that's really... I mean, that's Jin. Like, that's how yeah. she handles stuff. Even later on with Saul, you know, it's not a problem if you don't look up. She's oh. very, like, keep your head down. Like, life sucks. 
But, you know, you just keep on walking. And I can't blame her for having that mindset. Either, no, considering the, that extreme trauma that she suffered as an eight-year-old girl. I mean, that's yeah. that's a lot to deal with. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And seeing your mom get shot. Yeah, I mean, when you... When you look at it, literally, I mean, she watched her mother be executed by a firing squad. <laughs> I mean, that's a very traumatic event that would affect her for the rest of her life. So I, I really sympathize with her mindset here. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I need to read Rebel Rising. I will. I'm not it's... fighting this here. <laughs> I know. I just, it's, there's so much like with Jin specifically in her story and like mm-hmm. her mindset in this movie totally makes sense even more so after you read Rebel Rising. Like, mm-hmm how saw dumped her and how she felt about that and like but when she finds out that's another big thing is like when she finds out that galen's still alive Mm -hmm. was a really big moment for her because she is like he he didn't look for me he's still out there and he didn't even try so that as this scene even more because she's like you know i i like to think he's dead because whatever you know it's it's like her way to cope with it as opposed to like taking it in and feeling like at ends with what's going on she's like well you know what Exactly, exactly. Just bottle it down and then choose the anger route and just be like, you know what? No, I like, he's dead. I mean, he's out there, but he didn't look for me. Like, I don't care. You know, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're here now, you know? Yeah. So, crazy. I, I think I should probably say that Jin's my favorite character in all of Star Wars. I don't know how I haven't said really? that yet. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. She's respect, like, respect. She's undoubtedly like my favorite character in all of Star Wars, mainly because I just, I feel like I relate to her the most and I think she's super inspiring. And I thought Felicity did an absolutely incredible job with her acting. Oh yeah. Too. I Agreed. think so too. I think so too. She pulled it off so well. And I, I can't even think of anybody else that I would want to play Jin. She was so perfect. Mm-hmm. So, so, so perfect. And I, I honestly didn't expect that. I, I didn't, didn't either. Think Felicity, like, I don't know, not to be rude, but I just didn't think she was the type of woman to pull off a really tough character like that. But boy, I was well, so wrong. Well, well, well. So wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, so wrong. She yeah, that, that first job. scene on Wabani, I was like, oh, I think this character might be for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You just, sometimes you just know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt the same way, uh, you know, with a uh, certain Jedi Master. But no, this is, this is a... Uh, <laughs> I guess you, a re- could, you could say Jin is my Qui-Gon. We'll put it that yes, way. Yes, <laughs> I do. I do all the time. I, I, I have massive respect for anyone who has the same problem that I do, which is an unhealthy, well, yes, that's debatable. It, it, I, I an obsession. Mine, mine is very unhealthy. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm not going to admit that on the air, but like it's somebody who is obsessed with a singular character. I'm like, you know what? Same, same. Like you with Jin, Claire Stribling with Salacious Crumb, with uh, uh, Star Wars Explained, Alex, him and Biggs. It's like there, there's a few of us in this community that are like this. To where we I can really almost become like synonymous. Every Star Wars fan has a character like that, though. Mm-hmm. True. The difference is uh, who can only scream it and That's involuntarily. <laughs> e- yeah. Exactly. Like, you can be like, no, I, I love Darth Vader. I think he's awesome. But how often are you on the rooftops being like, Darth Vader! It's breathing! Asthma's me too! Ah! Like, <laughs> trying to figure out. Actually, not even trying to figure out unintentionally putting these characters into conversations. Mm-hmm. Like you, you're like making your cereal and then you spill a little bit. You're like, Oh man, that's so Qui-Gon. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's just things that don't even make sense anymore. You're like, 
Yeah, you know what? The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. You're absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's a... I don't want to say it's a deficiency, but it might be. I don't know. We'll have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> There's doctors on it. But I, what I'm saying oh is I, you make me feel like I'm not alone, Jim, and I appreciate that. Oh, you're, you're very welcome. You do the same for me. Ah, yes, <laughs> sweetest <laughs> thing <laughs> ever. We'll, we'll just start sending pictures of our collection. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? Picked up another Qui-Gon piece today. <laughs> <laughs> he looks beautiful. Uh, but no, Jin, Jin is a great great character to have as a favorite so respect man mm-hmm. yeah. she's the best for me <laughs> I, I, I agree she's amazing absolutely mm-hmm. amazing and she uh doesn't really again doesn't really have a choice uh so mon mothma's like hey we need some help um also your dad is this and she's like i don't know i think he's dead well, what about saw Guerrero? and you're like oh and then here comes cassie That's with this little pouty face <laughs> and uh He's like, you know, I've, <laughs> I I love when they kind of like push her up against the wall because she kind of plays the tough act first. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, I mean, we could just throw you back in jail if you want. She's like, I don't know who he is. It's been like yeah. 16 years. I had <laughs> nothing to do. For the love of God, I'm not going back there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He has killed every one of us. If we bring you, perhaps we can get through the door. Like, All right. You're right. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so it works. Yeah. But the, yeah, but it they does. Know, and then you know General Draven's all like, "Hey, so I know I know what she said, but like, nah, right?" And yeah. Cassian's like, I mean, <laughs> well, it, I did it, not trust Cassian at all for a lot of this movie. It took me a while to warm up to him. <laughs> I liked him, but I didn't trust him. Well, That's that it. that moment with Draven, it, like, it really speaks to that lack of trust within the rebellion again, and. I think the trust goes both ways line too foreshadows how our heroes are going to continuously stumble in the first half of the movie because they don't trust each other. So mm-hmm. I know hope yep. is like the driving theme of this movie, but I think trust is a very, very integral theme of this movie too. I think so too. I totally agree. Yeah. And like given the state of the galaxy and the, the people involved, like they wouldn't trust each other. Mm-hmm. There's so much, and especially Cassian, I mean, spies, you can't trust anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really good. I, I do love this scene right after his little powwow when it goes to Jin and K2. And oh, like, yes. you know. Why does she have a oh, gun? <laughs> yeah, I just saw that. But what do I, I know? Yeah. I, I, you know, what do I know? My, I just know Imperial Analysis. It's what, it, like super passive aggressive. And then when Cassian walks in, he's like, Oh, so you met K2. Uh, you know what? My bad. It's a byproduct of the reprogram. Cassian didn't even hear what K2 said, but he knows yeah. K2 was probably saying some horrible things, so he had to apologize mm. right out the gate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> yeah. I just like, The second he comes in, he goes, oh, yeah. So, you know, it, don't take anything he says seriously. It's like, you mm. know, whatever. And then, yeah, the whole, why does she get a blaster and I don't? What? It's a great, great scene. That perfect humor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's... It's high. It's very high. Very high. high. Um, <laughs> so real good. quick note, I absolutely love the design of the Ewing. Like, so oh, yeah. Much. It's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And I'm not really the type of person that gets really excited about ship designs in Star Wars, but this one is, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, it is really very cool. cool. I like mm-hmm. the, the fact that the wings switch is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. It's a good yeah. idea. Um, I'm into it. Then 
We get to see Saul Guerrero. Yeah, yep. we do. And... Lies! Oh, man. <laughs> Deceptions! My husband and I say that all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every day, more lies. Yeah. Yes. It's so good. Um, poor Bodhi so. has like a bag on his head and poor Bodhi. Man, this poor guy, like you can't get a break get to live. I know it's so sad. Um, well, I think yeah. with Saw, I think you can tell that obsession of fighting the Empire has really warped his mind, and it's it's almost left him in a state of post traumatic stress. And everybody certainly yeah. has their own way of coping with trauma, but I think with Saw, his trauma manifests in paranoia and obsession, and like his his actions are certainly inexcusable. But I I do pity him to a certain extent because of the state that this war has left him in. Absolutely. And he's been fighting since the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, you know, that's the thing. is He's lived his entire life in war, almost. And then, when he thought it was bad enough, just on Onderon fighting droids, then the Empire shows up, and you're like, oh, no. Just when you think you're getting a little bit of ground, uh, you didn't see the sleeping dragon right behind it. And then he still keeps going, and then, Rebel Rising, uh, he starts distrusting his own people. And then paranoia, exactly. He's very much, you know, uh, <laughs> I really do need to read Rebel Rising because I feel like I feel like I've never fully understood his character. I don't connect with him at all, and maybe it's because I just don't know enough about his history to really. Yeah, read get, Rebel Rising. Get yeah. where he's coming from. Yeah. Like it's, it's obviously interesting Jim's hearing story. you guys talk about him because obviously, like, you have a lot more to say and. I'm just like, I don't know. The, the one thing I, I say about Rogue One is like, I think it's a perfect movie. I wouldn't change anything. Yep. But if I was forced to change one thing, it would probably be Saul. But I think mm-hmm. I say that because I don't really understand him. Yeah. Yeah. First time I saw this this movie, that was like the one part that I was like, eh, I don't know about that. It's It, it was kind of over the top for me the first time I saw it. But yeah. I think looking at it from the perspective of him like, suffering trauma and being in that state of PTSD. I think that's what made me sympathize with him a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. I agree. And so there's the scene when they first bring saw or when they first bring Bodhi down to him. I like, I like the back and forth when he was like, you know, we took this off of me. He goes, no, 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 no. I gave it to him. Yeah. I did that. That was <laughs> yeah. me. They didn't yeah. take anything. <laughs> like I, I love that read. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. Um, there's a woman behind Bodhi. Her name is Samantha Alieni. I'm gonna I butchered her last name. She's amazing. She was the first female stormtrooper in Episode Seven. Oh, oh. the one in Starkiller Base. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, so she's pretty cool, and she's back for this. So nice. Little nice. tiny thing. A little little tidbit for you. Um. Yeah. I just and I. So Borg Gullet. How do we feel about it? Um, um, you know, it's, it's grown on me. It's, it's grown on me. It's not the most desirable scene of the movie, but I do think it's important because it's going to set Bodhi back a lot psychologically. And once again, it's going to test his commitment. Like, how much does he want this? And he's going to have to do a lot of soul searching and really make sure that this is what he wants. So, I mean, yeah, yeah it is. Like I said, it's not the most desirable scene of the movie, but I, I do think there's some importance to it. I agree. Savannah? Uh, Borgallet has definitely grown on me. I remember watching it for the first time and I was just like, what the heck is this? Uh, <sighs> but I take it in almost like a humorous way now. Whereas like, I think 
Star Wars fans are always like, what's up with the squid people? You know, like, the tentacles. We have raptors with tentacles, and then we have the uh, creature in Solo with the giant tentacles, and I don't know. I just, I'm fine with it now. I remember first watching it, though, and I was just like, I don't like this at all, but it's definitely grown on me. Mm-hmm. So I like <laughs> I just, like it a lot. <laughs> it like makes me uncomfortable though. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I like it. Maybe yeah. that's love, the point though. <laughs> and it's got yeah. that. It makes that weird like moaning sound at the beginning. There's yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like slithering it's toward gross. him. Boy, got it. And like, where do they the keep this thing? You know, I think like, it's his own room. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> like a cell that he's in. Oh. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Because saw behind those bars. How often do they use the Borgullet? You know, these are the questions I have. I like to think pretty often. Yeah. I don't, know, give give, give I don't think something I need, to do. I don't need to know any more about the Borgullet. Yeah. Like, what <laughs> we get is enough for me. <laughs> Borgullet will know the truth. Yeah. Borgullet will know the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so good. Where did and they pick him up at? You know, Borgullet Town. Um, <laughs> and and it took fifteen puppeteers to bring him to life. Wow, fifteen! And if you've, so that's a ever, real. Yeah, I don't think I honestly realized that. I yeah, no, that's, it was like that's a real CGI. thing. Nope. The yeah, only thing CGI too. are the tentacles that are going up Bodhi and grabbing him. Really? Yeah, yeah I think but, you can tell that's CGI, but I didn't know yeah. it was a puppet. Yeah, the Borgullet's a real thing. It was built on top of this like giant platform and there's a giant water tank on the back of him that was like actual water tank with like a cork in it and everything so if you ever find a picture of Borgullet like <laughs> from the back uh, you'll see he's got this weird yellow liquid tank on the back of him it's really cool but yeah there's like weird. 15 15 puppeteers it took like one person was just doing the temples pulsating one person was doing the eyes then there were a bunch of tentacles as well that were moving and like it was, it was, a, big, it was a big thing I seriously assumed that was just all CGI. I did too. That's really impressive. I know. Creature wow. team at Pinewood, man. They are the best. The best. Mm. <laughs> the best. I'm trying to remember who it was that I was talking to that told me that. It might have been Tom. It was probably Tom. Mr. Tom Wilton. Mr. Tom Wilton, who's just a delight of a human being. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his episode he talked about Borgullet and how many people there were in it. It's yeah, pretty nice. It no, it was Derek. <laughs> I'm wrong. I'm wrong. It was Derek. It was Derek. Okay. Yep, because he talked about uh, that tank had basically just a cork in it, and if somebody knocked it over, it would have emptied. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, Borgullet. Borgullet's pretty awesome, and he tortures people's minds. So, you know, he's useful, especially for somebody like Saw. So, pretty good. Pretty good. Fun times. It's interesting, um, when I watched this movie again last week, I was still a little jolted by how quickly we jump to different places in the beginning of this movie. Like, in a very short amount of time, we go to, like, five or six different places. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And I yeah, remember it's watching a very it for the... Pace. Yeah, it's, like, it kind of, like, I don't know. It, it It's fine now, but I remember uh, first watching it, like, every planet you go to, and there's, like, the little lower third of telling you where you're at i'm just like oh my gosh why are we going to a new place already we're only 10 minutes into this movie um but i don't know it it works yeah it works for me too it's amazing how quickly they're able to set up everything in this movie um and then we really have a lot of time to grow with the characters it's not like Mm -hmm. they're still meeting people throughout the entirety of the movie it's like they get that done kind of quickly and it doesn't feel rushed Mm -hmm. but they do kind of like take you to a lot of different places in the beginning which Mm -hmm. is a little weird, but it works. 
Yeah. I like it. Yep. I like it too. Um, then we get to see the most amazing thing that I think we've ever seen in Star Wars. Qui-Gon? Oh, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tarkin. Oh, man. Yeah. CGI okay. Tarkin. What? The first time you saw this, what was your reaction? My mouth oh my God, literally hit the floor. <laughs> my mouth hit like, the floor wow, because it's they went there. the reveal. The reveal is just so great because he's not facing the camera. And then when he turns, you're just like, what the fudge? Like, Because I honestly didn't expect them to ever really show his face when they started showing him from behind. I didn't expect him to turn around, really. Um, and then when he did, it was like just shocking it was but in the best way like good shocking mm-hmm. um and it's still to me one of the coolest things they've done in star wars because i think that was such a huge technical feat and yep like they just totally nailed it i know some yeah. people complain about it and i don't i don't understand where they're coming from especially like with tarkin i think with the leia moment at the end of the movie they I think that one makes me a little more uncomfortable, but this one is super impressive. Yeah, I just have so much respect for them for even attempting that. Didn't it take like yeah. two years for them to create that character? I think it I did. Think right? So. Yeah. Right? Dude, mm. ILM man, Hal Hickel man. Yeah, it always yeah. really upsets me when people are really, um, you know, flippant about the the Tarkin CGI and criticizing it, just because so much went into creating that character. Um, and it's yes. so great. Like yeah. it, it's not going to look a thousand percent perfect because that's not actually him. Like right. you know what I mean? But it, it looks pretty awesome. They did it's, the best it's pretty job damn they possibly close. could. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. I, I've noticed that a lot of people that criticize things like that don't actually know what goes into that. Right. And uh, they could take a seat. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I have the... Take a seat, young Skywalker. Take a seat, young Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, and we... I had the exact same reaction. I think I audibly said was like, oh, they went there. I think I said a curse insane. word. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm they, 99.9% sure I said a curse word. It's such a beautiful way to reveal it as well. Because like yeah. you, th- you do think it's just going to be a reflection. And that mm-hmm. was good enough. Right. We're like, oh, snap, we're getting Tarkin in this. Of course we are. It's the Death Star. Like, you have to have Tarkin there. This is the Tarkin initiative. Like, this is awesome. And so when he turns around, I mean, it's like like seeing something for the first time. Like, nobody had done something to that scale before. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like de-aging somebody. They're like, okay, we're just going to make him look a little younger. It's like, no, Peter Cushing's been dead for like 20-some years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you're looking at Peter Cushing. Which is a testament to Guy Henry, you know, yes. who's the actual person there yeah. doing the voice and everything else. Right. Um, but man, does it look great. And he's I don't care what anybody says. He's such an interesting looking person to capture to begin with. It's not like, I mean, Peter Cushing had a very distinct look. Yeah. Um, it's true. Oh, Cheekbones man. up yep. to the skies. Yeah. <laughs> Cheekbone yep. goals. And the, and the random flyaway hairs they put. Yeah. <laughs> and right. this one, I'm like. The level of detail, you magicians at ILM, I applaud you. Mm-hmm. It's they so really did an amazing job, though. I, I and, and to this day, still watching this movie, I'm, like, so blown away. The Same. The magic of it doesn't wear off, which is the totally best part. Totally agreed. Ugh. It and seems it, you've lost a rather talkative cargo <laughs> pilot. 
Well, it, it's important that they keep pushing the boundaries like this because it keeps improving with every movie. I mean, once you get to Last Jedi, I I really do think that the CGI for Snoke is like the best character CGI in film, yeah. and like no, and nobody talks about it. It's so weird. Right. Like people right? only want to point it out when it's like only ninety nine percent there, not a hundred percent. You know? Right. True. It's true. I and I totally agree. Like the, and that's another thing. That's a very George Lucas thing to do. Like that yeah. is Star Wars. It's always yes. been on the the precipice of the next big thing, and mm-hmm. it's important to keep. Like that's what they do. They push boundaries. They grow. Like what we've been able to do. Like with Six Eyes, right? So Matt Denton is one of the animatronic creators and whatnot. He's behind the scenes creature effects. One of the creators of BB-8. Uh, a genius of a man. A living legend. He developed the servos. In six eyes, so Argus six eyes in Solo. None of that is CGI. That is one hundred percent there in real life. He started the that technology of kinetic motors on what was going to be K two. So back in Rogue One, when they were developing a head for K two and how he's going to move and whatnot, that's when they started developing it. Two years later, they did it on Solo. And so what we're seeing here with Tarkin. And the level of CGI that we're able to get, and it looks incredible, is only getting better. And we're seeing that a step up in Snoke. Mm-hmm. And so who knows what we're going to get in Episode Nine? Oh, yeah. Oh, That's a good point. Oh. Well, and Dude. We talk about this all the time on the show, I think. Like, it's not a Star Wars movie if they're not pushing boundaries. Because mm-hmm. totally like you just said, that's exactly what Star Wars is. And if right. Star Wars ever gets to a point where they don't do that, then that's a problem. Because they mm-hmm. are the people that push the boundaries for for the rest of you know the filmmakers to to follow suit like we always say that jar jar was the biggest game changer ever mm-hmm. you know absolutely if it weren't for jar jar we wouldn't have smeagol we wouldn't have avatar we, we wouldn't, wouldn't have, have anything snow. That we have. <laughs> like we wouldn't have we wouldn't, any exactly of that. right exactly george it's, lucas man he knew what was up like yeah. krennic says you have to start somewhere mm-hmm. that's right <laughs> mm-hmm. and then we stand here amidst my achievements yeah Not so yours. good so good. We'll get, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. I love him so much. Yeah, his, he was same. Great. His performance is just chef's tops. Kiss. Like <laughs> tops, tops, so tops. Great. Yeah. And I think what I like about this scene is, you know, Tarkin and Krennic are both like really high-ranking military officers, but I think yes. Tarkin always has that edge over Krennic because mm-hmm. Tarkin never lets his emotions compromise his decision making. And it's true. I, I, I thought the scene just did a really great job of setting up that power struggle between these two. I agree. And and the fact that he's always like talking about EU stuff, like in Catalyst, there's this whole big thing where, you know, Krennic is not in the, like the same branch of military, you know, Krennic's right. from the ISB. Mm-hmm. So Tarkin sees him as like some upstart that's like trying to go above his station and do all these things and whatever. So he's always like, Oh, it's Krennic again trying to get in on the real military jobs, you know? <laughs> and then Very that's why he Yes, exactly. Like Tarkin is hardcore. And, and like, just the is, way he's moving, oh. he's like circling Krennic like he's his prey. I mean, it says yes. a lot about that that power struggle that we're talking about. Exactly, exactly. And the way that these actors played those scenes, just like tiny little nuances. Yep. Like even when uh when Krennic like does that little you know, lifts his head up a little bit and is like, I'm not going to blow up. I'm not going to blow up. I'm going to go blow up. I'm not. Don't let him get in your head. And then he still gets in his head. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's so good. 
Like, even the back and forth in a bit when he's like, you know, oh, I thought, you know, the, the Emperor Invader would be here. It's like, you know, I thought it was prudent not to embarrass you. <laughs> so perfect. Like, oh. So petty. So petty. Mm. I love it. I love it. Me too. Yeah. I mean, the first thing he says is like, oh, so you ruined it again, huh? Yeah. You got he doesn't even say talking? hello. <laughs> no. No, he just, hey, so like. Straight into criticism. <laughs> Exactly, which is another reason, like, Krennic hates him. Yeah. <laughs> Can I do nothing right? <laughs> it's, uh, I love their dynamic. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, even so much that, like, Krennic is going to Darth Vader and be like, so I'm still in charge, right? Like, it's not Tarkin's. Yeah. Because, please, I hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going to the teacher behind his back. <laughs> oh, it totally is. He's the blue-collar character of star wars for sure <laughs> he is exactly and like he's just not he wants to be somebody like tarkin that's of like big time military influence you know takes orders directly from the top but krennic isn't that guy yeah he's, once again krennic is the best the emotional at... the emotions that separate those two characters like tarkin can internalize all that whereas krennic very much like wears his emotions on his sleeve mm-hmm. exactly and krennic is also one of the he's he's like a project manager like, that's what he does. He finds other people to do the work for him and then takes the credit for it. Yep. You know, he, he, couldn't, do, he couldn't do anything with the Death Star because he's not an engineer. He's mm-hmm. an ISB officer. So he gets Galen, and he gets mm-hmm. these other scientists to start working on it. And then he's like, check out what I did. And, and Tarkin's just like, please. Because <laughs> Tarkin's down, like, child. you know. Exactly. Tarkin's like the military, you know, tactician. He's like, this is what we're going to do. And then Krennic's like, well, uh, yeah, but. This was me. I did this. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very much. It's such a good dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, same. And the fact that Krennic lost Poggle the Lesser is even better. <laughs> so <laughs> Tarkin's just like, oh yeah, remember the time you failed like three days ago? I see you failed again. Uh, <laughs> most likely won't be the last time. Just to point that out. Yeah, yeah exactly. And Krennic's like, I'm. Look at that! I'm gonna blow up the whole moon. I'll do it. I'll do it right now. And he's like, not necessary. Yeah. <laughs> just so calm all the time because he just sees, it's almost like Tarkin sees Krennic as a child and he's like, please. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. definitely it. Yeah, it's so good. Um, What about the flashback scene? What do you guys think of that where we see? You know, I, I always saw this like almost as like a force vision for Jin because you have Galen telling Ooh, Jin, nice. I'll always protect you. And then Lyra says, trust Galen. And then it ends with that shot of Saw. So it's almost like a hint to Jin from the Force that despite how she resents her father and Saw, she's going to have to trust them soon. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I've always read that scene. Ooh, I like it. I love it. that perspective. Mm-hmm. Love it. That's a good one. And we see, I mean, flashbacks in Star Wars. And this is done right. That's another thing. It, Rogue One just did everything right, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, it showed us so many new things. You know, no crawl, uh, a prologue that's not attached. Like, it did so many things that we've never seen in Star Wars and yet felt so Star Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what they did, but man, did they do it right. Mm-hmm. I love seeing young Jin with Galen. And the thing that gets me so emotional in this movie is their relationship. Mm-hmm. That's um, the heart like, of the movie. Yeah, it really is. And this is a very emotional movie to begin with, but that part of it for me is like the most important part. I mean, my favorite scene of the movie is when Jen is watching the hologram message from Galen. Like, Same I sob every yeah. time. Like, last I'm week crying I like Jen is cried. crying in that scene. <laughs> yeah, it's 
it's so moving and I love that they have this little flashback moment and you can see her with her dad again and ugh, it's just so powerful it is. and we get Coruscant yeah yeah that's once like again dude. bridging the two trilogies together yeah <sighs> like to think that's all it takes mm-hmm. you know what I mean just show a skyline in the back and let us know oh that's Coruscant right and that's all we need right that's all we need and then yeah. you read Catalyst and you find out exactly what happened in that scene you're like oh snap <laughs> There's a lot of tie-in material to Rogue One. Lots. And I recommend it. It's so rich. It's so good. Like, I, is is Rogue One, as far as tie-in material, is, does it have the most? Because there's, like, books leading up to, like, you know, The Road to the Force Awakens, The Road to the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. But they're, like, there, there's tangentially a lot connected. Awakens, yeah. Do, but does it, like, tie directly into that, that's true. The Force that, Awakens? Yeah, that's really the difference. You know, because like the the Crimson Corsair and like the short stories in there, they don't really tie in directly to Episode mm-hmm. Seven. They're just like, here was a thing that happened before Seven, right? But like Rogue One has stuff that like directly ties into it to where you can watch the movie differently after seeing this. Yeah, that's true. I wonder. I'm trying to think if if any of the other movies have that closely tied to EU stuff. I, I maybe not. I don't. Think I'm so. not sure. I, honestly, I, I think the the next. Like the competitor would be the Force Awakens, because isn't there a story about Jin or not Jin, um, Ray, and how she learned to fly ships? Yeah, that's a um, uh, into the beginning. Is that was, what it was called? Was there a, a a corresponding story for like Finn and Poe, or was there only one about? Yeah, Rey? that's that's the one. It's like three short stories and one. Oh, okay. I think it's ca- I think it's called Into the Beginning. Maybe oh, I've read okay. it. It's, it's really good, <laughs> but outside of like that one short story book. I can't think of anything that like directly influenced the movie yeah, as opposed true. to like, cause I think about like, you know, Leia princess of Alderaan perfect book. It explains how Leia knows Holdo, mm-hmm. but doesn't really outside of that doesn't super tie into the movie itself. No. Cause you know it's what I mean? so far in advance too. Yes. So like, I feel like most tie in materials to episode seven and eight have been like that. Like they're a little bit, there's enough time between the two to where it's not directly influencing it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Catalyst and Rebel Rising, you watch scenes differently now because you have so much context that directly influences. Sometimes the scene itself is in the book, such as this Coruscant uh, scene. Um, I just, I love it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, it, it certainly does add a lot to the movie, but I do think the movie stands on its own, though. Very, very I totally well. agree. For sure. For sure. I, totally, I totally agree. Like, the way that I see... EU expanded universe does exactly that. It expands the universe, but the universe itself is good. Like when I think about it, like the one that always comes to mind when I think about it is episode one, when you see Quinlan Voss eating with Sebulba. Like, oh, right, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. Like Quinlan Voss is right there. And if you've seen anything else outside of Star Wars, you're like, what is he doing there? He's probably on a mission. And you know so much about Quinlan Voss that that scene is now completely enhanced by it. But the scene itself is still the scene itself. It's a guy having lunch with Sebulba. You're like, right. all right, cool. But if you know, it's flavored that much more. Yeah. Um, but no, I totally agree. I think Rogue One, on its own, is a perfect movie. Yep. But with the tie-in, it, it just cranks it up to 11. Yeah. I remember when I when this movie came out, Like I was in college, and uh, my friends from school, none of them were as into Star Wars as I was, but they, you know, several of them had seen all the films. They just you know, weren't really involved in, like, fandom. They weren't involved in any of the literature or the EU. Um, 
And it was really interesting to hear their thoughts on Rogue One. And I remember all of my friends that were into Star Wars that went to see Rogue One, they all loved it so much. And they might not have, like, gotten as much out of it as I did because, like, you know, Saul is from the Clone Wars. We know him from that. Things like that. They didn't know those references. But I think that's, like, a true testament that this movie really does stand on its own because even if you're a casual Star Wars fan, and some of them hadn't even seen all of the movies, um, they still loved it. Uh, and I think that's like the coolest thing about it is so many different types of people can watch this movie and get something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. My, my five immediate family members, they're all very casual Star Wars fans, but for all of them, their favorite is like by far and away Rogue One actually. And like none of them have seen Clone Wars or Rebels or read any of the books, but they all like adore Rogue One. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so like, uh, jarring to me when I talk with people who don't like Rogue One. I'm just like, are you even a human? Do you have a heart? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I remember one of my friends, and I'm not going to call them out, but I have a friend that did not like Rogue One, and when she told me that, it, I was just like, are you kidding right now? Like, Are you lying to me? And she was 100% serious, and I was just like, all right, well, you just got knocked off of the best friends list. <laughs> <laughs> And they haven't spoken since. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So then we're uh, we're going to Jeddah, right? Yeah. We're going back mm-hmm. to Jeddah. Back to Jeddah. And we get to meet my favorite character in Rogue One. Cheer it. Cheer it. Oh, we love. May the force of others be with you. Yeah, he's great. So cool. I yeah. love. I like the parallel that he points out between Jin and the Death Star that the strongest stars of Hearts of Kyber too. I think that's really yeah. Cool. Because, I mean, that's very literal for the Death Star, but it's, like, almost metaphorical for Jin because her kyber crystal is basically an agent for harnessing power potential. And that's what's happening to Jin throughout the film. And I like to think that as her faith and hope grows, her force sensitivity grows, and that's why Chirrut's so drawn to her and believes in her so much. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love it. It's a great introduction. And And I love that he... So... I love everything about Chirrut. I really do. I'm a massive Donnie Yen fan to begin with. And I was like, he's going to be in Star Wars. <laughs> and the fact that he's like a force guided individual as mm-hmm. opposed to like a force sensitive person. Like he's not a Jedi. He can't manipulate the force, but he's definitely in tune to it. Yeah. Tapped into it. Exactly. Like, dude, he's blind. You know, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I'm blind. blind. One of the best <laughs> lines in all of Star that Wars. Is, right. That is the best like humorous I love it. line yeah. in Star Wars. Ever. And supposedly he improv that. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> even better. Yeah, that's what Donnie N said he made up the line. I was that's like, awesome. that's good. That's real. I was I laughed so hard in the theater when that <laughs> I happened. I think we all did. Yeah. Yeah, like I just I love and also like I love that Baze is there. I love the dynamic between the two, like best friends that grew up together. Like they're college buddies almost. <laughs> exactly, like they are. They are brothers in the truest sense. And I love that Chirrut is blind, so mm-hmm. Baze is always kind of looking out for him, even though he doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. And you know, like when he when he quote unquote saves him, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a good scene in the back and forth, and how he just kind of when Chirrut's having this you know, moment with Jin, he can sense the kyber crystal, which is already super cool. Uh, and Baze is just kind of, you know, watching everything that's going on. I just, I really, really like the relationship between Chirrut and Baze. Yeah. They're like old war buddies. 
you know, well, that have like seen some stuff. It's like almost like an and... old married couple with the banter that they have back and forth with each other. Like, yeah, you can tell they've too. been in each other's lives for just so long. That's it's just Yes, so funny. exactly. You know, the Force did protect me. I protected you. It's, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Like, my my best friend David and I, we are Bays and Cheer It. Mm-hmm. So when we saw this movie, I was like, you know, they talk about seeing yourself on screen. Mm-hmm. I know what that is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's it's this. That is us 100%. So it was really cool to see that sort of dynamic in the midst of everything else that's going on. And a yeah. great way to introduce them. You yeah. know, because you think they're just like, you know, panhandlers. You know, there's there's so much stuff being sold and things are going on. It's a marketplace. And he's like, you know, I'll trade the necklace for a glimpse into your future. You're like, <laughs> okay. Really? Sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. It's so good. I mm-hmm. love Jetta so much. <laughs> Jetta's awesome. Yeah. The history alone is yeah. like that that's one thing I really enjoy in any movie, not just Star Wars, is an established universe. Mm-hmm. Like it's lived in. That's what that's like the magic mm-hmm. of Star Wars is right. the galaxy is lived in. And Jetta is very much a lived in planet. You can tell it's been there for millennia. There's so much going on, so many different people. There's a temple there. The empires are harvesting kyber crystals like it's so good. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite thing about Star Wars. Like, the things in Star Wars that are nice and clean and new and, like, you know, when you're on the Death Star and everything is polished, I just there's a, don't. There's a place for it, but... There is a place for it, and I'm glad it's in Star Wars, but I don't <laughs> prefer that. You know, like, I, yeah. I just love the look of Jedi. I love all of the people that they have on Jedi, all the aliens, all the droids. It's just, like, everything is so perfect, um, and an, in, another tentacle monster coming out of the boiling pot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And details is there, as the as the old droid. Oh, like okay. Going also, that was n- him. that's D. Another little fun fact thing. If I'm not mistaken, that was D's first Star Wars role. Oh, that's um, cool. Anyway, another cool thing. That scene right there is actually not like during filming. So, D, obviously, you can't get in and out of those droid suits. Mm-hmm. Um, there are kids on set that you notice are kind of in front of him in that scene, and they're like, oh, hey, it's a droid. That was in between shots. He was just kind of messing around with the kids, and they happened to film it and put no it in the way. movie. Yeah, that is a real-life moment cool. that happened between setups. That's pretty neat. Pretty neat. Yeah, so another thing that's very real that ended up in the movie. If I ever got to have three wishes from a genie. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of my wishes would to sit down and watch everything that they filmed for Rogue One that we never saw. <laughs> That's um, a good one. Um, I, I don't know. I think I'm okay on that because I, I don't know. I don't think I need to see like any of the deleted scenes because I just love really? this movie as it is so much. <laughs> oh. I wouldn't mind deleted scenes. I do not want to see like the original cut. No, you know, what, you know what I mean. No. Like I that was a, see the that original was a cut. I just want to see. You know, more? you know there are more aliens and droids there that we never saw on camera. You know. Oh yeah, there's that weird creature thing that's there for like a split second that the stormtrooper is riding. Have you noticed that? No. I don't remember that. Oh man, I'm gonna send you guys a picture of this. It's the weirdest Star Wars creature ever. Hmm. It's like a super tall. Oh yeah, 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 I know what you're talking it's, about. It's yeah. yeah, it looks like the Land Striders in the Dark Crystal, yep. but like smooth. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's like a dinosaur. It's like a dinosaur. Yeah, it's really goofy. <laughs> That's like yeah, the stuff wh- I want to see. I don't really. This is. I don't. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't want to see the. I don't really care for le- the story aspect, but all the hard work and detail that went into 
Ha, good one. I know. <laughs> Everything that went into this scene, I would love to see all of it. They, they should I make agree. it a panel for Anaheim. Yes. Rogue One uh, behind the scenes. I, I agree. The and the I'll moderate it. Somebody, <laughs> I can do this. Let's pitch this panel and we'll be like, hey, we pitched this panel, but we don't have any of the content. Right. You <laughs> just send us all these images. Just do it. That's right. They're like, what do you have prepared? A lifetime of fandom. Yes. Give me the microphone. Yes. Hand it uh, over. You've probably heard of me. I don't do show notes. <laughs> <laughs> they would say no. <laughs> yeah, they already they already have. Uh, so Yeah, so then we get uh, another one of the best scenes in all of Star Wars with them getting surrounded by stormtroopers. K2 saves the day. K2 saves the day. Well, first cheer it saves the day. Mm-hmm. All right. So actually, no, the, yeah, the battle happens yeah, first. The, it's a battle. And then K2 comes in and then cheer it comes in. You're right. Yeah. Cause the battle is like, that's another really good scene. They do tension really well. You know, when uh, Cassian's like, we got to get out of here. And she's like, what? It's like, no, like you don't understand. Things are about to go down. Yeah. And it, then, well, it, it does. You get to see that growing trust between Jen and Cassian too. Cause they work really well together when they need to. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. It works really well. Mm-hmm. And then we get a great scene where they're just caught in the middle of a tiny little skirmish, and you get to see that, well, Saw's people might not be good guys either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this movie's <laughs> really good at doing, like, oh, you know the quote-unquote good guys? There well, are none. <laughs> they're kind of they're kind of playing by the bad guys' rules right now. Yeah. And in the middle of a square when there's just people there and a child. Oh, um, the little girl. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's when we get to see that glimpse of uh, humanity from Jen. I'm really yes. glad that they added that. Yeah, me too. Same. Same. And she shoots a stormtrooper while running by him. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does a lot of stuff to the stormtroopers, let's be real. She beats up yeah. the stormtroopers. Yeah. She, she, she does, can handle her own. Yeah, she does not get enough credit for her scrappiness. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. That's one of my favorite things about her. I think we've talked about that before in the show, Savannah. Yeah. When I was like, my favorite thing is that she's like willing to punch you in the face. Yeah, I like, love her baton thing too. Like, the I, mean, yeah. I think Ray's staff is super cool, but this is a different type of weapon that is really neat. I'm glad they gave her that. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. As Jim said, the truncheon. Yeah. What a that's a cool word. Yeah. I and think I could like, use one of those. I could whip somebody around. You'll just see me at the next celebration. Get out of my way! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just kind of. Yeah, I need to get people. one of those for my cosplay. I still haven't. Yeah. Gotten one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the cherry on top of the mm-hmm. whole ensemble. The game changer. The mm-hmm. game changer. And in long lines, if people start pushing, you just whip it out. Out You're of like, my listen. way. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> this has a two and a half foot range, and you're gonna feel it. Uh, dude, I love this scene. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's great. Yeah. I love the way yeah. this movie is shot, and I wish I could like express you know what i love about it i can't really pinpoint it but they just like put you right in the middle of the action and you just get really up close and personal with everything and i really like that i don't really know else how to describe it but it's just beautifully filmed and all the lighting and all of the colors like the colors on jetta are just gorgeous and they're very muted it's not like it's a bright colorful city here it's just like very muted earth tones but i just love it it's Mm -hmm very warm and that's not a warm place there's a lot of garbage going on (laughs) it it makes you feel comfortable like seeing the scenes because all the colors are so warm oh definitely sure sure so then we then we go back to saw (laughs) 
Yeah, so they get captured. We get the, you know, quiet. And there's a fresh one if you mouth off again. Yeah. That's which is funny. another great line. And, you know, Diego Luna broke character for a second. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is yeah. golden. I, I didn't notice that until the most recent time I watched it, actually. I watched it last week, and I was like, oh, I think he, like, kind of laughed there. Yeah. Yeah, he's laughing. <laughs> and he, he, he yeah. And he's covering his face to keep from laughing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and then, yeah, they get, they get captured by Saw, and then Jen is like, hold on! Good luck taking me in, because we're buds and they're like yeah we'll see about that well yeah. before uh, like by revealing that she's the daughter of Galen Erso that would have definitely compromised her survival so it just kind of speaks to how her determination to find her father is growing right yeah absolutely absolutely and why is that because I'm the daughter of Galen Erso <laughs> yeah yeah girl Dude. yeah you are Tutube's voice is so cool too oh yeah Same. yeah I love, I love, I love when it, like that's something I, that's the hill that I die on all the time. I was like, have more speaking alien roles. Mm-hmm. I want some alien language. I want some subtitles or not. I don't even care. I just want aliens to have more of the spotlight because the amount of R and D and work that goes into mm-hmm. one alien. Yeah, it's like guys, come on, Star Wars. The best thing about Star Wars. His design is just so cool. Uh, somebody yeah. gave me. I can't remember who it was. I wish I could like name them, but somebody at Celebration gave me a button that had their own i think it was their own artwork of two tubes on it and that was one of my favorite things i got at celebration this year <laughs> and it, somebody just gave it to me but it was just like nice. you know it's there's not really a lot of two tubes merchandise out there to begin with and so when they gave me that i was like oh awesome i like that <laughs> you know for real so i think i think they may have actually been giving one to like my brother and i was like uh can i have one <laughs> yeah. i like i enjoy a little bit of the two tubes mhm mhm yeah. Mm-hmm. But then they get captured. As you do. Yep. I mean, if you can't find Saul, let Saul find you. Yep. <laughs> and then we go to go to Saul's compound. That's right. And there are a lot of scary people in here. I love it. I do There's too. There's a guy. What is his name? I don't remember. I think I'm I know who you're up. talking about though. The Desperado. <laughs> There's a guy who's like old school western like is known for having shootouts with people he looks really weird but also really awesome i have the rogue one visual guide i feel guide like you're naming everybody in the <laughs> room <laughs> yeah <laughs> for real okay stand by there's i'm going to spend time talking about things until i boom found the page so his name is colby sparado He's really gross looking in the face. Hmm. Um, he's like really gaunt and like has a long beard and long hair. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's yeah. really cool looking. Like, listen to what it says. It says, Gunslinger Colby was recruited by Saw on Serialanus and is running from a past he refuses to talk about. Intensely private, Colby disappears for weeks on end and has been spotted praying at the Temple of the Wills. I feel like that's you as a wow. character, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just disappears. I hey, felt like at Celebration, I'd be like, where'd Brian go? Where did he go? <laughs> it's like, it's like Saw. You don't find me. I find you. Yeah. Yeah. I just think he's really cool. And, you know, they're playing like a makeshift Dejark. Oh, um, right. It's just, and the grossest Twi'lek ever in Beezer. Yep. He's yeah. just, ugh. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's so gross yeah, looking. Awful. <laughs> awful. Absolutely. I mean, it's like Agra from Dark Crystal. So disgusting, <laughs> but also kind of beautiful because it's so disgusting. Yeah. 
Bees are so gross. It's like a, it's like a when you like uh, dehydrate fruit. Uh, you know what I mean? That's what he looks like. He looks like you took Bib Fortuna and stuck him in a dehydrator, mm. and you get Beezer. Ew. I used to tell one of my friends that he looked like that guy. <laughs> oh, that's awful. That is so mean. <laughs> so freaking Savannah. Funny too. I have a picture. I thought we talked about this. I have a picture of my friend Wes, and I like. Wes does not look like him. <laughs> no, there's a picture of his face where he does a face like that. I swear to God, it looks okay. like him. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> it's like, I've met Wes, and he does not look like a dehydrated Bib Fortuna. <laughs> My God. Anyways. Yeah. So Saw's compound. He's got things going on. There's a guy with a beard, which is nice. Um, there's uh, uh, Warwick Davis doing his own little thing because he's that little that little guy. Oh, right. And then she's brought before uh Sol Guerrera. Oh, I love this scene so much. It just it does so much to humanize Jen. And I think that the one line specifically that makes me sympathize with her so much is when she's talking about the war and she says all it's ever brought me is pain because that yeah. shows no matter how hard she tries to avoid that fight it always catches up to her and beats her down over and over again to the point of exhaustion and hopelessness and yep i thought felicity just did an amazing job of expressing those emotions and i don't know i just really feel for jen in this scene because of what she's lost and that that trauma she suffered i agree and it's another good like other side of the coin because we're so used to seeing you know rebellion heroes that believe in the cause and sometimes you know like cassian will go that extra step and kind of blur the lines Mm -hmm. um but then you're also getting the side of like what it's like to be a citizen of the galaxy and being beaten down and like what's the point of fighting because the empire is so big we don't even stand a chance and like you're saying she's trying to stay out of it as much as she can because she sees it as a losing battle to begin with so it's this leading up to getting involved uh, is a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Like that whole, you know, it, when Saw is like, you know, you can stand to see the Imperial flags rain across the galaxy. It's not a problem if you don't look up. Like that's huge, huge. There's so much weight to that line when she's like, you know, is essentially admitting that I know it's awful, but I mean, what are you going to do about it? Just put your head down keep on walking and just try to survive. Yeah. And Saw is like, I can't do that. And, uh, it's it's such a good scene, and I love that he's also like, is that is that really you? And then he, the little paranoia. It's like you know somebody, did they send you here to kill me? Right. <laughs> and then when you read the EU stuff, he's talking about Mon Mothma. He's not talking about the Empire. He thinks the rebellion sent her to kill him. Wow. Which is a big deal. When I first saw, when I first figured that out, I was like, oh my god, because you think it's naturally you think it's the Empire he's talking about. Yeah. But no, he's talking about the Rebel Alliance mm. because they don't they don't work together well, and like Saw has done very very questionable things, um, even from the point of view of somebody who shoots people in the back. Uh, so it's it that's another just really powerful moment between the two mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite scenes in all Star Wars. It's so good. Brian, and then I just we get sent the message. I was telling you about. Okay, I mean, even still, <laughs> I can. I mean, I can kind of see it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Wes, I'm not saying that you look like Beezer. I am saying that you do a pretty good impression, though. 
That's moving funny. on. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Yeah. So then, then we get uh, the message. Uh, the pilot brought the message, and Saw plays the message for Jin in one of the most powerful scenes in Star Wars. This this actually might be my favorite scene in all of Star Wars. And it definitely it, is mine. Yeah, it's a it's a very very good. Yeah, one. for me, it's between this and another scene that we'll talk about later. But it's I mean, it's mainly because of Felicity's performance and just how well she was able to show Jin's vulnerability. And this? I yeah, I think Jin's crushed by her father's message uh. because. While she hasn't lived up to her potential most of her life, her father still loves her regardless of who she's become. And it's yep. been a very long time since she's felt that kind of love. When it's he true. says, Jin, my beloved, I'm just like, <laughs> Yeah, yep. you can tell that Jin's doing everything she can to bottle up her emotions in that scene. But when her father says, so much of my life has been wasted, she can't help but let years of pain and anguish and regret just pour out through her facial expressions. And oh. I, th- I think she knows in her heart that she can't live with herself or move on from her past without finding him and telling him that she understands why he did what he did and that he doesn't need to live with this guilt anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's so, it's such a powerful scene. Mm -hmm. And like, and the idea that like, you know, he he still loves her. Cause Mm -hmm. that was another big thing that they kind of address in rebel rising is when she finds out that he's still alive and that he's essentially fine. And she feels like, you know, the ultimate abandonment. Cause she's like, you know, he didn't even try to look for me. Mm -hmm. Like he got taken away, but now like, He's fine. He's totally cool. He's not being held prisoner. He's working with them now, and he didn't come and get me. You know, so it's easier to think like, oh, he's dead. He doesn't care about me. I don't care about him, you know, as a defense mechanism. So this scene is like your entire life that you've spent thinking he no longer cared about you was actually to protect you. And, oh, boy, from someone who bottles things down and keeps her head down, uh, that is a that is a big 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 moment that felicity jones just knocks out of the park oh yeah the moment when she like drops to her knees is just just all of that just uh, sinks in like everything that yeah. just happened in that moment she looks like she's gonna vomit like mm-hmm. for real it's just yeah. so intense it's so and then good. meanwhile while this is all happening the death star is preparing to blow up the city like yeah <sighs> Man. Yeah, and the cinematography it's... in that scene when, uh, like Galen says, my stardust and the camera just kind of pans across the landscape and the Death Star is eclipsing the sun. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And you, I agree. You almost don't even notice the music like the first time you watch it, but there's like these soft piano notes in the background. And, oh, uh, yeah. It's, it just makes it that much more heartbreaking. Yeah. I. I uh, used to listen to the soundtrack a lot when I would like go to sleep and I would always have to skip that track because I'm like, I don't want to cry right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really good though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the cutting between seeing Galen's message and then cutting back to Tarkin and Krennic and the Death Star and then seeing the Death Star, like you said, eclipse the sun. It's just like, it's perfect. It literally is the most perfect scene. I mean, I always talk mm-hmm. about I love the Mos Eisley Cantina, and that technically is my favorite scene in Star Wars, but it's really like my favorite setting in Star Wars, whereas this scene is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it, it'll be amazing to me if I feel like they ever top this in a future Star Wars movie, if they ever top how powerful this feels to me. Because it's Agreed. just that good. Yeah, for me, it's a really good. It's between go ahead, go ahead, it's between this and that. The your father would be proud scene. It's oh, oh don't even go there. We cannot. Oh, I don't even know what to talk about there. today. 
<laughs> we'll get there Aww. when it's time, Jim. Yeah. You're kicking us while we're down. Yeah. Yeah, that's too much to deal with. <laughs> I, dude, it's it's so good. It also is. I love the pacing of this movie. Mm-hmm. I really do. Some people are like it's fast. I was like, yeah, but that's the point. Yeah. Right. Like there engaged. is there is no time. Exactly. They and rip like you out of that emotion immediately, and it's like, okay, we gotta go. Yes. Like they don't even let Jen fully sit in this. Right. You know, because she's never been one who wanted to indulge her emotions or actually feel. And now she doesn't even get the chance mm-hmm. because it bubbles up and it's let out through this message. And then the Death Star blows up Jetta City and the explosion's coming toward her. So she can't even fully experience this. You know, it's like, we got to keep on going. We got to keep on going. Uh, which just adds even more to the emotional weight that she's carrying. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I, I just, the fact, the fact that Saul Guerrero like is done I, I really like that scene. You know, he's like, you know what? I fought my entire life. I got this message to you. Uh, he like, That's the fact that redemption. he was able to make peace. Yes, he was able to make peace with Jin and himself because of it. You know, and I, I, I like that he just, you know, unplugs the air and is like, here we go. You know, save the rebellion, save the dream. It's like, dude, yes. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were saying that hope and trust are like really important themes of this movie, but redemption is also a huge theme. Almost every character in this movie is looking for redemption. Like, Jin is looking for it. Galen is. Saw is. Bodhi is. Cassian is. Baze is. Like, almost everybody is looking for some sort of redemption. And mm-hmm. Saw That's gets true. his redemption in that scene. He does. He does. Yeah, dude, that message is so good. Mm-hmm. It's so well done, the way it's cut, the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. And I just like the idea that Galen, you know, the way that he explains himself is really, really good. You know, he's like, I, I learned to lie. He's like, I lied. I learned to lie. They know that I can't, so I learned to lie. I played the part of a beaten man, you know, resigned to the safety of his work. And just like, it's so good. And the fact that in a line, he explained the exhaust port in the Death Star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. I yeah. love it. Because it's like, you know, the, it wasn't the, the exhaust port wasn't the flaw the flaw was an unstable reactor mm-hmm. and you can get to it through the exhaust port and i just love the like 40 years of like really the exhaust port that's what did it right. like, no 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 <laughs> much bigger than that you dum-dums yeah it's uh it's an unstable reactor that he as an engineer would know but nobody else would so i just i love it mm-hmm. it's and such a cool idea and the performance there with that speech is just so on the nose and i think that's yep. something that really sells everything about this movie is that all the actors and actresses are just so Tops. freaking good yep. like they are literally the best everybody is yep. and you believe it's every single one of them exactly it's like we said what makes a good star wars performance a good actor yeah <laughs> yeah it would it's true it would make me so happy if gareth edwards ever got the chance to like make another star wars either if like Same. you know how cool would it be if he stepped in to direct an episode of the cassian show like, oh he absolutely oh, should like, absolutely I would love that. you know i i think it's it's odd because he just like almost disappeared after this movie came out. Like we don't really hear about him often, and he's not been involved in anything else. But because he did it, yeah. he went home, got in his rocking chair, and was like, "All right, I made the most perfect right. Star Wars movie ever." Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's that clip of you know George Lucas calling him after seeing it. And he's like, "That was really good." Yeah. And you're like, mm-hmm. "Oh man," he's but like, we're "All just right, over cool." Here like we want more. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I'd love to see him do more Star Wars. I don't know if mm-hmm. I want to, if I would want a full movie from him again. Not that I would say no to it, but I immediately think of how cool it would be if he directed an episode or two of the Cassian series. Yeah, that's a no brainer. Yep. I think. <sighs> yeah, I hope. I mean, they're his characters, so right. And that would be cool if he kind of led 
the beginning of the show, like if he directed the first two episodes or something and kind of like... Kind of like what Dave's doing for Mandalorian, right? Yeah. Yes. It like makes you feel comfortable because you trust this person and you know they understand the characters and everything. <laughs> I know we talked about the Mandalorian last show and that like, you know, one of the things we'd like to see is a, an Ahsoka cameo. Mm-hmm. What if the episodes that Dave Filoni directed, he directed because Ahsoka's in it and he won't let anyone else touch her? That would be the best thing in the world. <laughs> like, yeah, like, what if I, I the reason build he's up doing my it? Expectations, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I just like the idea that like Ahsoka's his toy, and he's like, if anyone's using this toy, I have to be present. Yes. <laughs> he's I, that very clear. You know what? I'll yeah. direct this. Yeah. Okay. Like live action. If Ahsoka's in it, yes. <laughs> Nobody can touch this. I'm like, all right, fair enough, Filoni. That enough. would be funny. Yeah, but no, I I agree. Gareth Edwards, please come back. <laughs> we love you. That would be amazing. He if just he was such a cool person too. Like I love watching interviews with him and stuff. He's just very humble and there's a lot of passion tell, behind like, his work. Yeah, and you can tell the entire time he made this movie, he was just in disbelief that he was even doing it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yes, I agree. He I was a diehard that. fan who who got it. You know, yeah. we've talked about it before. Like, we don't want to see somebody's version of Star Wars. We want to see Star Wars, and that's something that Claudia Gray does very well. Mm-hmm. She gets Star Wars. She understands what it is. And when you read it, you're not like, oh, this Claudia Gray Star Wars. You're like, no, this is damn good Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, same with like Jim Mello with a, a Star Wars comic. Every bit of that is like this. He just gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that way about Gareth Edwards as well. I mean, Bistan. Bistan exists because Gareth Edwards likes apes. He's like, can we get like a monkey alien in here? <laughs> and then you look at Bistan and you're like, yeah, no, that's a Star Wars alien. Mm-hmm. You're not like, oh, he just put a monkey in here. You're like, no, look at him. That is a that, and Bistan was at Celebration <laughs> Europe as well. He came out mm-hmm. on stage. Yep. Played by played by Nick Kellington, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, yeah. So I, I I think Gareth Edwards just gets it, and I'm I want him back, please. Yep. Yeah. Me Second too. that. Please come in, baby. Come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah. So they blow up they blow up Jetta City, and we get uh, we stand here amidst my achievement, not yours. Yours. Yeah. <laughs> The scene, it bubbles up. Yeah, it, yeah t- once again, you can see that Tarkin's in control here because he's completely unfazed by Krennic's emotional yeah, outburst. Like, doesn't even flinch. But yep. then again, I can't blame Krennic for having that reaction either. I would be very upset too if somebody just came yeah. in and took control <laughs> of my project that I was working for 20 years on. <laughs> exactly. Like being in a group project at college and everybody else gets credit for it and you're the one that actually did all the hard work. <laughs> Exactly. But it's but a good then. strategy by Tarkin, <laughs> though, because if they would have blew up the whole moon, then it would have looked like the project was 100% done. And it's a lot more difficult to come in when the project's 100% done and take control. But when they only blow up the city, then it's like, well, it's only like 70% done. And I can just kind of like slide in here before it gets to the emperor's attention. So it's a really mm-hmm. good tactic by Tarkin. Yeah, absolutely. He, the, he's the he's the real one that's like letting everyone else do all of the work you know even so much as like you know oh i thought the emperor invader would be here he's like no nah, you know we'll see if it works first and he's like it made a war i'm gonna show you you know give it a second and then it works and he goes, all right cool uh now that it kind of works this is mine now and he's like, what <laughs> it's such an imperial move because that's that's all they do the imperial officers is like backstab one another mm-hmm. go back and forth and tarkin is i mean they created the Grand Moff position for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty nuts. And I just love the switch off here. Because Krennic has everything riding on this demonstration. 
and he thinks by it being successful that he did it, when in reality he just handed it to Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a great. It's a great scene. This in this scene too, you can see that uh, Tarkin literally, like physically, is looking down on Krennic. Yeah. He's always got his head <laughs> very down just a little bit. Yes, and I love that. It's like a really subtle thing, but it's like. All right, I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, and then there's the little, like, Krennic bumps him as he walks mm-hmm. by. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. It's like, Krennic, what, how did you become an Imperial officer? <laughs> 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 right. They're, they're all about, like, order and decorum, and he's like, no! Yeah. <laughs> he's just, it just goes to show, he's not one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, he is an upstart. Like, he's an ISB officer that wants to play military. And, uh... He made it this far, even though he's failed time and time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. And Tarkin's just like, play with your toys. Mm-hmm. When they work, I'll make Take this Tarkin <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Krennic shows himself the door. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And Krennic walks out. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, well, I guess he didn't want it that badly after all. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. It's great. So then I love it. So then we're going to Edu, I think. Edu. Yeah. I love so they Edu. Make it, they make it off of Jeddah just in time. Yep. So I haven't made the calculations. I'll make them for you. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I love your Cassian voice. <laughs> I love doing Cassian. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> like I th- whenever Alan Tudyk does a Diego Luna impression, oh. it's my favorite yeah. oh, same. ever. Same. Mm-hmm. He's like, Alan, you look so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> He's, I have no you respect are ruining for the you. Entire movie. That's yes, what he says. I have no, no respect for you. For you. <laughs> uh. you are ruining the entire movie. <laughs> we are <laughs> we are trying to make a Star Wars, and we look over at you, and I don't want ridiculous. to be here. <laughs> 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 it's so good. Uh. And yeah, they they make it just out of time, uh, or just in time, I guess. I don't know. It's not there anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's Edu time. And well, it's Edu Cassian's time. Sti- <laughs> it's Edu time, and Cassian still gets the the go ahead. Yeah, you know, mm. stay on stay on track there, buddy. And, and uh, sure, it's like, bro, something feels this, weird on here. That I really like that scene as well between Baze and Chirrut. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's like, you know, all tell me it. what was it all of it? Like mm-hmm. that's so because you can tell that like Chirrut cared about every single person mm-hmm. in that city. Mm-hmm. Like that's where he spent his life. He genuinely cared, and so to learn that it's all gone, mm-hmm. you know. It's, yeah, it's I mean, it's Leia, it's Leia and Alderaan. You know what right. I mean? It's your entire home blown up, mm-hmm. um, and he just thinks of all the innocent people that died. And you know, I, I like the the back and forth between the two, as well as the way that they react to things. You know, Baze is definitely like shoot first, ask questions later. He chooses the anger route. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Chirrut really takes it in and is like, you know, I'm I'm thinking about the innocent people. Mm-hmm. Whereas Baze is like, I'm thinking about the Empire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a really cool uh, sides to them, to the same situation, how they react differently mm-hmm. and speaks a lot about their characters as well. Oh, yeah. And God, I love Baze and Chirrut. They're just the greatest. And yeah, going to Edu. They find out he's there. Uh, Galen is there. They're going to go check it out. Jin's like, I saw the message, and then more distrust here. Uh, mm-hmm. I know. You know, it's like, it's like, cool. You you have the message, right? And she's like, well, no, I. It all happens. I mean, so it, ha- fast. it happens so fast. I guess. Well, what am I supposed to do with this? Which is like, you know what? From a military standpoint, he's got a point. He does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that sucks. You're right. You didn't have a. Oh boy. And then you know, Chirrut comes through. I believe her. It's so good. That's good to know. So good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's all we get. Uh, 
And yeah, we're going to Edu. Yeah, gonna, I, I guess just keeping on that thought of trust, I think between the, the ship crashing on Edu and then Cassian withholding that information from the team and then Jenning running out to find her father, nobody really trusts each other still, and that's why things yep. are going to go poorly on Edu. Yep, 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 yep. And it's it how Cassian is with Bodhi about it, like, I'm here, I'm looking, you go back to this ship. It's like, okay, well... We're still we're doing this, are we? He doesn't even give Bodhi a blaster when they go out to find Galen. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which way is it? This way. Okay. Good. And yeah, I, this another that's another thing. Rogue One. We said it. It does tension very very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, the back and forth with Cassian looking at Galen, and the yeah, you know, does he look like a killer? Oh yeah. You're like oh. Oh man, what's what's going on here? And you know, Chira straight up says like, you know, the Force moves darkly around a creature that's about to kill. Yeah, Chira is in tune with the Force. Right. I love it. I, I love this iteration. It's like in Rebels with the Lasat. You know, mm-hmm. like the Zeb's species. They've got the staff, and they're like clearly in tune with the Force. They just call it something else, and they kind of operate by their own rules. But they're not using the Force. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not like uh, they don't have any like you don't really have power over the Force. But I think you know what I mean. They don't have Manipulation they is the wrong it. word. Exactly. They know it's there, and they're like a vessel for it, but they're not actively using it like the Jedi do. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I mean, you know, Je- just going back a few scenes when they're in their prison cell, Cassian or Chirrut tells Cassian, "There's more than one sort of prison captain. Since you carry yours yes. wherever you go, in an yeah. empire, before Luke goes into the cave, he asks Yoda what's in there, and Yoda says, only what you take with you.'" And that's mm-hmm. essentially the yep. same advice. It's just said to different people in different circumstances in different ways. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I love that Chirrut can sense that. Mm-hmm. And speaking of like uh, uh, my friend David and I, we always talk about you know where are you going? I'm gonna follow Jin, and then it's like good luck. I don't need luck. I have you. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're right. And he gets up and he's like, you're right. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love love that back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And then we and get then he just uh, knows. we get Krennic and get. Uh, sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but we get Krennic and Galen's uh, reunion together. Yeah, and the, the hardest mm-hmm. slap in all of Star Wars. <laughs> it, ugh, he just, oh man, and, he, and I, he he ruins his day. <laughs> well, I think Krennic <laughs> executes those engineers too because it it gives yeah. him a false sense of control after being humiliated Absolutely. by Tarkin. That's what it, it comes Absolutely. down to. Absolutely, I totally agree. And it's also like these people are replaceable. Like mm-hmm. Galen's the only one that like can do the job. Yeah. Those are essentially his assistants. Mm-hmm. And so Krennic's like, I mean. Somebody's talking to the Empire, you know. It, it also, uh, I'll send this to you guys later. But there's a great. It's not an outtake, but it's something like funny that goes on in the back, like the at, like the Mon Cala looking for the button in Episode Six. He like can't find it. Uh, there's an Imperial officer when the when the rebels show up and attack the platform. He ru- he walks very uh, confidently back toward the ship, and then a death trooper stands right in front of him and lifts the blaster up, and he just turns back around and walks the opposite direction. Hmm. It's pretty good. It's really funny because he's like, all right, we're going up. Oh, just kidding. We're going to go this way. <laughs> um, I have, I'll have. i send you the video. It's pretty great. But, yeah, he. Uh, I mean, Krennic just kills everybody anyway, um, even though Galen comes clean. And, well, that's the Empire for you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Then- we get a good scream. <laughs> oh, yeah, when Jim pulled... <laughs> Pulls the, the stormtrooper yeah. down the ledge. I think that <laughs> just, replaced, oh. that replaced the Wilhelm scream. I think. I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah, it works <laughs> <for me. laughs> 
I always wonder how I need to get a stormtrooper on and like exp- get them to explain to me how falling in that armor works. Because I've always thought about first, that too. Right? Like how? Does it break every time? Like what's it made of? Is it malleable? Does it hurt? It's got to hurt. Oh yeah. Right. Like like how I'm I'm very interested in how these stormtroopers are like getting blown up outside of Maz's castle and like we need well, to talk. Like, you know, the they, they put these guys on wires. Yeah. So it's like what is that like? Oh, yeah, right. exactly. Like, I, I know they have harnesses underneath, like, clothes when they do stuff like that. But, like, I don't understand how the armor works with it. Mm-hmm. And, like, is the armor made of, like, you know, the ABS or, like, a certain kind of plastic? Or is it foam that just looks plastic? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I got to find that out. Hmm. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, Edu gets blowed up. Uh, the the Y-Wing actually does something. Um, is it a Y? Is it, it's a Y wing, right? That blows it up. It's not the X wings that shoot torpedoes. They just bomb it. Uh, yeah, they bomb it. What ultimately blows it up is Chirrut shooting the Tie Fighter with his crossbow, and then the Tie Fighter like goes into the base. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that that's another really good one. You know, he kind of like just it doesn't even look, which it doesn't matter because he's blind. But I like that he doesn't even like dignify it with turning his head in the right direction, because there's a turret that's shooting the ships down. Mm-hmm. And then he shoots the TIE Fighter. TIE Fighter goes into the turret. And then they have Alliance bombs that... Uh, Finish the job. Platform. Yeah, right when she gets to him. It's, uh, uh, I don't want to talk about this. I'm going to make you guys talk about it because I'm sad. Uh, well, I, yeah, it's, I like that when Galen tells her that the Death Star has to be destroyed, she says, I know we will. And I think she says we instead of I because she's starting to acknowledge that she needs help to fulfill her father's legacy regardless of how she feels about the rebellion. And, I mean, that's a big change for Jen considering how self-reliant she was when we first met her. So she's definitely very, very changed by this entire experience. I agree. And I I love that you have, like, subtle moments like that where you're like, oh, no, this is a pivotal point in this character's journey. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's something that, like, it's not this big fanfare where she's like, I will join the Rebel Alliance now. It's like, no, just that tiny little acknowledgement with a word by saying we is like, okay, no, I'm I, I'm doing this mm-hmm. and I'm not doing it by myself. You know, that's why, like, there's there's a great moment in episode eight where Finn, uh, they're on crate, they're behind the door, and then Finn is like, no, we gotta we gotta stand here and fight. Like, what do we have? We got some speeders. We can do this. That is huge because up until that moment, Finn was only interested in running away. Mm-hmm. Even like in Canto Bite, the whole reason he went there was to get the Codebreaker so that he can get Ray so that they can run away. Mm-hmm. Like he's never fully committed until that moment. Mm-hmm. And by choosing to stay and fight, that's his character. Like that's what Rose did. Rose showed him what it's like to align yourself with the cause and truly believe in it. Mm-hmm. And so in the same way, Jin, even after watching her father get blown up, is like, you're right. This is bigger than all of us. And I, uh, you're absolutely right. I've got the message. We're going to take care of it. Yeah. And I don't think there's ever a point where she's like 100% on board with the rebellion as an organization itself. But exactly. I, I think she cares about doing what's right. Yes, she aligns with the cause that the Death Star needs to be destroyed. Yep. And her father, you know, imparting those last words is very much like the, the fire that it took. Right. You know, so much so that at the table later on, she's like, we need to do something. Like, you don't understand how big of a deal this is. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, we, we can't risk it, you know. It's a, it's a great... 
It's really sad when he's like, you know, I have so much to tell you. And then he dies. I'm like, oh, oh no. I know. <laughs> Why and are you she, doing this to me? She's lost everything over the course of just a few hours. But I, I, it's true. It also speaks to her determination, though, because even that level of extreme trauma is not enough to stop her. Totally agreed. Mm-hmm. Man. And then uh, Baze shows up and just starts mowing people down. Right. <laughs> I, I, I like when Baze just goes to town. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so then they, they get off uh, the planet. Bodhi is an official rebel now. Um, rebel by now. Shooting, exactly, by shooting some stormtroopers. And then we get a... Uh, uh, I mean, I keep saying we get a real good scene. They're all really good scenes. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's not a weak part in this movie mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, I mean, this part was all right. Like, the, the fact that Jin goes to Cassian and like calls him out is really yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm glad that it's like... Because vi- that's who she is. <laughs> mm-hmm. she, yeah, she's very blunt. She's like, I'm not going to uh, beat around the bush. Like, those were alliance bombs that killed him. I saw that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then calls him a stormtrooper. You're like, oh, yeah. dude. She's just being hateful now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Cassie and is, since I was six years old, so suddenly the rebellion is real for you. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's so good. Well, I like, I like when he, he tells Jin, you're not the only one who lost everything. Some of us just yeah. decided to do something about it. Because you can almost see at the end of the argument that Jin is realizing the weight of the galaxy has just fallen on her shoulders. And she needs to decide what she's going to do about her father's sacrifice. And I, I, I think that response from Cassian is the last factor that motivates her incredible speech to the Rebel Council. Yep, I agree. I agree. And then, of course, she's got to get in the last word. <laughs> like, Actually, he does. Because like, you know, like, he says, I don't so, have to. Oh, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, after the whole deal, it's like, you know, oh, it's oh, it's real for you now. Cool. And she's like, yeah, okay, whatever you got to tell yourself. I know what I just saw. You're like, oh, ooh, ooh. It's like tennis. They're shooting the ball back and forth. You're like, oh, no, oh, no, mm-hmm. oh, no. And, uh, well, I mean, Cassian's not happy. I do like that he mentioned, you know, like, I could have killed him. I had so many chances, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. You think I'm awful, but I'm not. All right. I don't like what happened either. Yeah. And she's like, "Well, my dad just got blowed up, and it's your fault." So uh, here we are. Yeah, they're they're both making really compelling points, but nobody's like really winning the argument. And that I guess that probably just speaks to the moral ambiguity of war that's like so visible in in this movie. Absolutely, I totally agree. It. I I remember the first time I saw it, and when he you know uh, talked about being six, I was like, "Wait a second. And like doing some timeline math, and then it's the I think it's also the Rogue One novelization, uh, right? Yeah, when they talk about like right. he was in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. like his planet was occupied, and then they got caught in the war, and like his family got killed in the midst of a battle between clones and droids, mm-hmm. and uh, whoo, man, goosebumps, crazy, 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 crazy. Mm-hmm. So then we're uh, we're going to Mustafar. <laughs> We're going. And this is the only place that doesn't have this, a title on it. Yeah, that, which that is kind of such a me, great move. Oh, you don't like it? I, I would have liked to have a title. Oh, I really? would have for like a title, it. just for consistency. I, I can I can understand that as someone who's OCD. <laughs> but I I like the idea that it's the one planet where we're like, you know what this is? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> like, true too. Like. Yeah, like that, this whole movie is so full of, like, Easter eggs and, like, EU stuff. And, like, if you know, you know. Yeah, but it feels uh, natural. 
I agree. I totally agree. And I mean, who'd have thought we'd ever see Mustafar again? I know. And I think Vader. I mean, Vader chooses Mustafar because it's probably the planet strongest in the dark side, and the dark side is essentially what's keeping him alive. <laughs> so it's it just pain. Yeah, it makes mm-hmm. sense to that the castle's there. Like I couldn't see that castle on like Kamino or Naboo or anywhere Absolutely else. Absolutely right. Like, it just it fits on Mustafar. I totally agree. And it may or may not be explained in the Darth Vader comic series we're reading right now, but <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's it's so good. It, I mean, it's it's where it's where Darth Vader was born. Mm-hmm. You know, True. it's where Anakin died, yep. like fully. Oh yeah. And the fact that he's just gonna live in that, like that's what that's what Vader does. Mm-hmm. He like picks at the wound to make sure it's still fresh, to in a way to punish himself forever, Gross. because he has to live with the <laughs> fact that the whole the whole reason he trusted Palpatine to begin with was to save his wife and as far as he's concerned he killed her anyway Mm -hmm. so it's like I'm just going to torture myself for the rest of my life because I deserve it and I'm going to take that out on everybody I meet Mm -hmm. and so to build a castle on Mustafar where it happened I mean he choked Padme to death as far as he's concerned you know and he thinks like he killed the baby as well Mm -hmm. and it's like let's just be constantly reminded of that and then I can become way more strong in the dark side because I'll just keep using that pain right Mm mhm and then he does a sweet little sachet through the smoke. Mm-hmm. a It's so good. Mm-hmm. Such a good scene. And the fact that Krennic showed up just to be like, hey, so um, I don't know what you've heard, but like... <laughs> all Tarkin's fault. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's all Tarkin. Um, it's still mine, right? Like Tarkin's saying he took it, but like, that's not allowed, is it? Like he went above Tarkin's head to be like, we're... Like, my name's on this. We're cool? And he's like, do you think I really care about this? <laughs> like, an Imperial facility openly attacked? He's like, oh, yeah, I should have should have thought about this one, Orson. But then he has that, that good... really sly smile at the end. Because <laughs> he's like, yes, yes. <laughs> this is mine. Yeah. I beat Tarkin this Exactly. Round. As he's, like, choking on his aspirations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little bit, he's like, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then we get our, uh, our our little meeting. Back to Yavin. Our, uh, our, yeah, back to Yavin. Red 7, Harp Binley is back there looking very concerned. Uh, Paul McHugh is in the background behind Radis and Mon Mothma as a, as a rebel MP. There's some peeps in this scene. Mm-hmm. There's some peeps in this scene. The woman is from Terrace, which is a great uh, Knights of the Old Republic nod. There's a lot, there's a lot going on here. We meet Admiral Radis. I I am like super super passionate about this scene. This is I keep saying like this is one of my favorite scenes in all Star Wars, but like it really is. <laughs> I understand. I understand because like this... ev- everything that Jin says shows how she's gone from apathetic and resentful to hopeful and selfless. I mean, starting with what reason would my father have to lie? What benefit would it bring him? And my father gave his life so that we might have a chance to defeat this. And by yep. mentioning her father first, Jin is showing that she values her father's legacy over her own survival. True. Mm-hmm. And then she says, like, what chance do we have? The question is, what choice? Run, hide, plead mm-hmm. for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power. You condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. And she's explaining how the Empire wants the Rebellion to respond to the Death Star. Tarkin says yep. in A New Hope, fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of this battle station. And mm-hmm. a lot of people right. a lot of people in that room are filled with fear, considering that the equivalent of the atomic bomb just dropped. 
but Jin yeah. <laughs> stresses the need for them to set aside their differences and act on the situation by saying, the time to fight is now. Every moment mm-hmm. you waste is another step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. And she mentions Jeddah not just to stress the stakes and urgency, but also because she's acknowledged that this is an opportunity to redeem not just her father, but also herself by embracing selflessness and ensuring other lives aren't completely destroyed by the Empire like hers was or like the people on Jeddah's were. And then she says, exactly. send your best troops to Scarif. Send the rebel fleet if you have to. We have to capture the Death Star plans if there's any hope of destroying it. And this is, again, Jin acknowledging that she needs help to fulfill her father's legacy. And then she ends with rebellions are built on hope, which is her way of forgiving Cassian and the rebellion for her father's death so she can move on from her past and become this inspiring leader. And I'm just, I'm I'm sure you can tell, but I'm like super, super passionate about this scene. And I think it is just brilliant how they're able to show how Jin has changed emotionally throughout this film. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally agreed. And we get to see, like, uh, this this movie showed so many different facets from the Rebel Alliance than we're used to. Like, the Rebel Alliance to us prior to this was like, there's a problem, let's form up, let's figure this out, we got this. Whereas this movie is very much like, I mean, I don't know, it's like, why would, Scarif really, like, into the lion's den? Like, mm-hmm. we just can't. It's too high a risk, I'm sorry. Like, we got a lot riding on this. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, Jin is like, no, you you don't understand. The time like, to fight is this now. happened once. It's gonna happen again. Yes, exactly. And Radis over there with the with the assist. I say we fight. And, and Bodhi with so the assist good. too. He's like, yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. I do. So the two senators there. It's like it's a, uh, the guy's name is Ferez Ferez. I think it's Jas Jaspar Jaspar. Yeah, it's something, something like anyway, that. Yeah, so the two senators, when, when that happened, they're like, "Who's? why should we trust them? The, the daughter of an imperial scientist and this guy. And I'm like, who brought this guy to the meeting? I know, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> He's immediately like, let's just, why should we trust them? Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, I understand why you're scared. You I get it. Exactly, exactly. And Fel- um, Felicity just kills that speech by packing just so much urgency and determination and anxiety yeah, and frustration. I and courage and hope into it like she just nailed it yeah yeah i totally agree i like how she says scatter your forces <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool read it's a cool read mm-hmm. and then you know this is the one with uh bail is here right mm-hmm. um in this scene and i i love i love this because i like to think that he sees jen and sees a little bit of leia yes. oh yeah that's a good point. you know what i mean yes. yeah like the because you know she's she's a feisty little Rebel Alliance leader. Mm. And he even has this moment where he's like kind of looking at Mon Mothma and is like, I mean, she's kind of right. Yeah, she's yeah. not wrong. You know. And I remember the first time I saw this when this uh, when this scene was done and... No, actually, it's later. Stand by. Uh, so when this scene was done and they go outside and Jen's like pretty upset and then Cher's just like, well, uh, how'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're like, well, I mean, it didn't go great. It didn't go great at all. And then uh, the heroes come out. Mm-hmm. And Cassian's like, you know, you made a lot of sense in there. And then we see one of my all-time favorite aliens in all of Star Pal. Wars. Pow. Dude, I love Pow. Yeah. I think his design is great. I think the fact that he's the only alien that, like, goes on to Scarif and, like, gets hero shots and, like, yells Carabast. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, I adore Pow. Yeah, I think he's, he's super great. cool. And just this shot, you get to see Matt Sterling is in this crowd. And uh, 
it's just it's such a good moment like you know when when cassian says at the end you know like welcome home like we're with you for the first time in your life yeah that's the first time that in a while she's not being abandoned yeah exactly exactly yeah and she's she's finally accepted for who she is and what she believes in and when she says may the force be with us that just shows how she's restored her belief in herself and humanity yeah imagine the amount of love and fear she feels in her heart at that moment like Mm -hmm. so happy to like feel a part of something but also like terrified for what's to come yeah just realizing yeah like you said what's going to happen yeah and like acceptance Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's the big thing is they're all taking this on Mm -hmm. you know like they understand what this means and like that's that's heroics you know what i mean when you understand that like we might not be coming back but also you know we've all done things terrible things uh but it's got to mean something Mm -hmm. you know it's it's such a good scene and then you know another great k2 line you know i'll be there for you Cassian said I, I had, had to. to. Right. <laughs> it's so good. And you get the yeah, uh, the theme it. of trust coming back in because now that trust is going both ways for Jen and Cassian, they're going to be able to really unlock their potential and ultimately accomplish the impossible. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I love, like, Bodhi's little line, like, we, it, we'd be crammed, but we, we'd be <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's, like, kind of awkward, but it's so Bodhi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, what, I mean, we figure it out and, you know. It, it'd be cramped. It's like, all right, yeah, I love it. It's just a neat little Bodhi's got a his little contribution. You know, and he's like, oh, it, it would work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. I love it. I love it. Every single planet that we get to visit in this movie, like, blows my mind. I absolutely love Scarif. Mm-hmm. The setting Scarif is, is so amazing. Awesome. Gorgeous. Uh, I agree. It's ironic agree. that it's gorgeous, but. <laughs> I know. That's what makes yeah. it even more tragic is mm-hmm. they're like, Dying. I hate that word, dying. You can tell place. that, like, all the officers there are, like, on vacation. Like, when Krennic comes in, the yeah. one officer is like, Director Krennic, what brings you to Scarif? It's like Krennic's walking into a spa or something. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Beautiful day we're having. Yeah. <laughs> I need to see all the files on Galen Erso. And then the other guy's <laughs> like, can I help you? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. A martini, perhaps? <laughs> Cucumbers for your eyes? <laughs> Yeah, they're just kind of hanging out. This third act, though, is just so, so Phenomenal. Perfect. I mean, like, Phenomenal. the whole movie's perfect, but this third act is just, like, some of the best Star Wars period. And they just squeeze in so much. Mm-hmm. But, like we've totally said, it agreed. doesn't feel, it doesn't feel, like, overdone. It yeah. feels rushed because it needs to. But it doesn't feel like you're not getting the time that you need with each person. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you know, Star Wars is faster and more intense. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's Star Wars, you know. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it does. So it's not like rushed. Is like you know, it, it's uncomfortable. It's like you should have slowed down. Whereas this is like no, that's these are the stakes that we have, you know. And that's another thing Rogue One does very well. Is like it has the highest stakes oh, possible. Absolutely. Like they're just you know, and like you by feel that. Get this done. Exactly. I mean, they don't even have the Rebel Alliance on their side. It is a group of like fifteen people that are choosing to take it upon themselves to go even outside of their own rebellion to do what's right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, you are you are alone. Like, I love w- her speech beforehand. You know, like Saul Guerrero used to say, one man with a sharp stick and nothing to lose can win the day. And we're just going to get out there. We're going to keep taking chances until we win or the chances are spent. Mm-hmm. Like They're going to give straight up everything, says like, everything. Yes. She, like, they're about to get there. And she's like, 
we're there's a chance we're all gonna die here, mm-hmm. and it's not even gonna work. Yeah. But that's not gonna stop us from doing this. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just, it's so good. It's such the a good scene. Sacrifice. <laughs> it does. Like I love uh, Melshin. Melshi. Melshi, mm-hmm. dude, Duncan Pow, his performance as Melshi is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. The way that he was able to do like a military captain that's like in it all and mm. also like he just he it was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Everything about his performance. Master Switch, describe what are we looking for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's over there uh, on that console. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going for it. And then not. Yeah. I just and I just love pal, you know, get those troopers away from us. Mm. <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah, we haven't really brought up like the cinematic parallels, but there's so much Saving Private Ryan in this movie. There's a lot of Black Hawk Down, and uh, oh, yeah. I think once Jin gets to the data vault, there's a lot of Alien because Jin crawling up the data yeah. tower and sending the plans is very similar to Ripley climbing yeah. up the ladders in the Nostromo and initiating the self destruct sequence. Yes. Yep. But it works. I, I really do think, though, this third act has the most in common with Return of the King. Because, I mean, oh, you, yes. you have Jin and Cassian going behind enemy lines in Imperial Disguises, similar to Frodo and Sam going behind enemy lines in a Wardor disguised in orc armor. And then you have yep. the rest of the Rogue One crew outside distracting the Empire's forces so Jin and Cassian can get to the Data Vault. And that's very similar to Aragorn and the rest of the Fellowship distracting Sauron's army so Frodo and Sam can get to Mount Doom. And then yep. there's Krennic and Gollum who stalk and block our heroes from victory, but they're both completely obsessed with objects that exacerbate their paranoia and perception of reality. And those objects ultimately turn against them and destroy them. So those are probably the more obvious parallels, but in general, there is so much Lord of the Rings in this movie. I totally agree. Another reason I love it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Dude, dude, it's so, it's so good. I really, I really do think that Rogue One is like the return of the King of Star Wars, both like in quality and like narratively. (laughs) It's incredible. And I I love that like it takes the time in the midst of all these things to breathe as well, because it cuts to like, shootouts happening outside like ATAT shows up like things are getting bad to worse and then the quiet of the vault yeah mm-hmm. you know oh, what I mean yeah. like can I help you that won't be necessary bunk <laughs> and like it it cuts it so well together um and then just the there's so many chances in this movie where they're given the option to turn back and they're given the option to turn away and they keep pushing yep. forward. Mm-hmm. You know, like when K2 goes to the other K2 droid and is like, there's 98 stormtroopers between here and there and we've got like a 10% chance of survival. Yeah. And they're and like, then well. just nods like, yep, do it now. <laughs> exactly. Like there, there's no, you can tell there is no other option for her. It's mm-hmm. like, no, we're, we're going to do this. All the way. You know, and then it's like, light it up. It's great. I want one of those walkies so bad with a little light on oh, it yeah. that Cassian has. Right. Like, because we've seen communicators before, you know, in episode four, and like, you know, 3PO! Uh, but I want the one that lights up. Just look. Brian, we'll it. just get those, and that's how we'll communicate at the next celebration. Oh my <laughs> God, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> Somebody figure this I out. I need to add that to my cosplay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I need one of those. Uh, yeah, so then he's like, all right, we're doing this. And I love that, like the like you said, the Imperial officers at the top are just kind of like, you know, having a day. Like, oh, it's really nice. I'm scared. And then just an explosion. It's like, are we blind? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are we blind? 
get that beach under control. He just, he's so mad, mm-hmm. which, you know. But that's understand. what makes him so great. Like, he's just so animated I, I with everything, and that makes him so interesting. Yeah. I totally agree. It's Especially because Tarkin is the other half of the coin who's always yep. cool and calm and collected. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's true. Even under pressure and being yelled at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, Tarkin's terrifying. Mm-hmm. If you read the Tarkin book, like, I never thought I would be interested in a Tarkin book. I was like, really, Tarkin? Tarkin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. And then I read it, and I was like, oh, my God, Tarkin is, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I honestly he, think he's the most intimidating villain in all of Star Wars. Because when I watch him, terrifying. yeah, because when I watch him, yeah. I see, like, Nazi war criminal there. <laughs> like, it's, yes. it's so convincing. Yeah. Yep, I agree. And in his book, like, it, it obviously, it's Tarkin's story. It goes from, like, when he was a kid and whatever, and, like, his personal ship is like an assassin ship that's like completely customized to what he wants. It's like a death ship. And then when he was a kid, his family is like really well known and they're like hunters where they like go out in the woods for like three years and some don't come back and the ones that do are like, you earned it. Ugh. Like he's hard. He is hardcore. Yeah. He's not just like a bureaucrat that's like, oh yes, I make other people do it. It's like, no, if you're alone in a room with him and he's got a knife and the wherewithal, eh, not looking so good. Mm-hmm. And he, so he, and he is... won't flinch when he does it. No, exactly. Yeah. He won't blink while he does it either. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's good lord. But Krennic, on the other hand, he's the kind that like runs with the knife and yells before he gets mm. to you. Which makes him so <laughs> awesome. I totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. And uh, so this, well, it's not going very well. Uh, pretty quickly. Um, I do like the moment that k2 and Jin had where she gives him the blaster yeah i thought that was just a really nice yeah exactly you know and uh i i just love that k k2's death got me pretty good yeah it's still that got me that got me pretty good when he says yeah and like yes and you couldn't broadcast from the tower yeah Yeah, it's (laughs) while while he's being shot he's still like i gotta protect cassian i gotta protect cassian like like Alan Tudyk has talked about, like he sees him as like a father, you know, because yeah, Cassian true. reprogrammed him. Yeah. So he's like, it's more he's he cares about Cassian above everything else. Mm-hmm. Like if Cassian was like, I'm gonna lead the rebellion, K2 would have been like, that's a good idea, and then he would just go with whatever Cassian says. Mm-hmm. So this moment is like, he's literally giving his life for who he perceives to be his dad, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, it's so and then you know, K2, yeah, it's. Oh, it's rough. And he doesn't go down easy. That's the other part that's really rough about it. It's not like one shot and he's out. It's like, no, he gets shot like six yeah, times. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so painful. Yeah, and he's still trying as he's dying. Mm. You know, it's just, oh, <laughs> and that's the beginning of the end, too. I know, and that's just like the beginning of all the heartbreak ever. <laughs> <laughs> but I still love uh, it. Like, I love it more that there's so much heartbreak, yeah. which is weird, but... I agree. Yeah, the fact that if it didn't care. have that, you wouldn't really connect with it emotionally. You right. you need that in order to to appreciate what's going on more. Mm-hmm. I agree. Did, so going into this, did you know everyone was going to die? I did not. Like, did you have? No, I knew because I, I heard it from Baze himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, Jim, Jim, I'm with you. I, I didn't it's know. Like, I had we no know, idea. Same, because like we know they're not in the other movies, but for some reason my brain just didn't go there. Mm-hmm. And so when this started happening, it uh oh, it didn't feel good. I think even though I heard that in the panel, I still expected at least one of them to make it. Like K two, right? Would have expected K two yeah. to get out or Bodie. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then, well, 
Yeah. It just. But yeah, like you said, I mean, it makes it that much more powerful and compelling mm-hmm. because they give everything to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like they made the ultimate sacrifice. They are heroes of the rebellion. Yeah, when and, when Jen's on top of that citadel, I mean, she is beaten down and bloody. Yeah. She can barely stand up, but she still limps to that transmission console because nothing's gonna stop her from redeeming mm-hmm. her father and doing what's right. Absolutely, and it should be said there needs to be some mad respect for Felicity Jones' upper body strength in this movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. She has fallen off of stuff and mm-hmm. pulling herself back up all the time. Man. That, that's yeah. like my favorite quality of hers. I, I love absolutely everything about Jen, but her perseverance is like what inspires me the most about her. Yeah. Just like how mentally tough she is and how she never gives up. Right. Well, when we talk about too, like that. all the trauma that she suffered from as a child and just like through adulthood even, but within the context of this movie, like just within hours and days the amount of stuff she goes through and how exhausted she must be i mean you know she hasn't slept and you know who knows if they really got to eat anything and her father just passed and she watched him die and she held him in her arms and you know she probably knows that her life could end soon like think about all the anxiety that would put inside yourself and yet somehow she's still moving like Mm -hmm. uh how yeah crazy yeah and And like the when you think cassian's dead the first time you know and she keeps on she keeps on going but she is focused the whole time i thought he uh, was a goner like i did too i really same same especially the way he hit that pillar on the way down you're like oh man and it shows him on the floor you're like damn yeah that sucks because you think he got shot and then fell you're like oh man Mm -hmm. that's right after k2 as well Mm Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, oh man, I do love the idea that they had. Where like you know, it's a big file. We gotta send it up. Can't do it with the shield gate. We need to like the tension added to be like we mm-hmm. gotta get a message out there. Mm-hmm. And Bodhi saved everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they like Bodhi was Bodhi part. was brave. Right. Yeah, I love it. I love that without if, if every single person, if one person wasn't there, they all would have failed. Right. They were all so integral to what was happening. Right. Um, and the Bodhi is is a great character for a lot of reasons, but I think one of the biggest things I like about him is the fact that he, you know, like Carrie Fisher says, be scared, but do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like Bodhi very much like he was an Imperial pilot who defected, which is already terrifying because they have his face. They know everything about him. They're looking for him. Like he's actively being hunted mm-hmm. where the rebellion isn't a full rebellion yet. Like nobody knows publicly the members of the rebellion. Cause there is no rebellion at this point on record, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bodhi, they're literally like, there's, there's pictures of him in Jedha being like, have you seen this pilot? Have you seen this pilot? You know, so he has a lot to lose and he's scared, but he still does it because Galen said, if he can be brave enough, you can make this right. You know? So like, even in the face of all this stuff, he still is brave enough. He still gives his life for this cause. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love mm-hmm. it. It's like he's starting from 15 feet behind the starting line. Aww. You know what I mean? With having no anonymity. Yeah. Um, and he, he does it anyway. Yeah, it gets back exactly. to that commitment. Like, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I just, I gotta love Bodhi. And, each and at least he had a pain, painless death. <laughs> oh, his heart. You know, each one gets more and more painful to watch, though. Yeah. Because they just, like, start slowly dwindling. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, just real quick. Cheer you know, it, it's though. like, hey, we cheer it. Freaking gets me. Cheer yeah. it. Ugh. And then so. Ugh. Uh, cheer, I mean, they all it. get me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, mean, they yeah. All same, same, His, same. For me, is like, I mean, Jen and Cassian to me make me the most upset. Me too. But cheer it would be next. Mm-hmm. And the uh, way so, Baze like is there and that's and what gets does super it. Super pissed off and just goes at it and. Yeah, that's that's the part. Like so, the shot of. Chirrut walking through the blaster fire and explosions, the wide shot of him, just saying, you know, I'm one with the Force, Force is with me, I'm one with the Force. That is one of my favorite shots in all of oh, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I, it's full surrender to the Force. Mm-hmm. That is pure faith right there. Mm-hmm. That he's like, you know, the guy's like, we, we can't get to the console. There's like five death troopers that are watching it. And he's like, one I got dude, this. Yeah, like Melchi got shot down so he can barely move. And then this other guy tries, he's like, I'm going for it. Immediately gets shot and killed. Mm-hmm. And then Chirrut is like, I got this. And Baze is like, Chirrut, no, no, no. And like stopping him. But Chirrut's like, no, this this is this is my thing. And there's a shot of his face, of Chirrut's face, where he, it's almost like where he's at peace. Like you see yes. before Baze gets to him, he's still like standing. And there's a shot of, his, of Chirrut's face. He just looks like. I did it. Yeah, like he did it. Like he's, he's done. proud and relieved and. At yep. peace with it, and not like exactly. scared because right. he's not scared of like, dying. He, he knows. Yeah, he he, he, he knows that he do. did his part. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And like, cheer it messes me up, but because of Baze. Yes, yeah. because as uh-huh. he's dying, he's even telling Baze, he's like, "It's okay." Yeah. He's like, "It's all right. It's all right." I, you know, it just go to the forest. You'll always find me. <laughs> like that, and, and and the fact that like Baze. Up until this point, you know, was like scoffing every time mm-hmm. Chirrut brought up the Force or whatever. And then Chirrut straight up says, like, you know, he was once the most devoted guardian of us all. Mm-hmm. Th- this guy right here. And Baze is like, shut your mouth. Dude, when Baze, and so, like, cocks his gun while he's walking, it's like the ultimate. Dude, you when Baze when Baze starts repeating the prayer to Chirrut as he's dying mm. is such a powerful thing because the entire time Chirrut is like, you know, the force protected me. It's all right. You can be a skeptic now, but I know it's real and whatever. And the last thing he hears is his best friend mm-hmm. getting his faith back. You know, and he's praying while he's doing it. You know, he's like, you know, the force is with me. I'm one with the force. Cocks his gun, shoots him. Mm-hmm. Like the force is guiding Baze at this point. It's his acceptance of what's about to happen through the force. Mm-hmm. You know, his best friend just died, and he's like, you know, just look to the force. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. So then he looks to the force. Yeah, that. And then he's able to take out the death troopers. That moment when. When Baze is holding Chirrut, I remember the first time seeing that, I was like, I cannot believe this is in a Star Wars movie. Like, it feels like something out of Saving Private Ryan or something like that. Like, it is so intense, but it's also just so incredible. Yeah. It is. Absolutely is. That's definitely one of the best parts about this movie is that it gets real. Mm -hmm. It does. On so many levels. Like, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but, you know, the Vader scene is like the realest Hardcore. scariest thing i've ever seen of him but we'll talk about yeah. that in a few minutes it's it's nuts and then we get uh i mean it goes to you know the citadel tower and jen has this great moment where she you know quotes her mom you know and you know like, who you know, i am i'm jenner so daughter of galen lyra you've lost yeah mm-hmm. 
dude. That's the I'm an ego Montoya. Well, well she's <laughs> moment. <laughs> she's finally completely owning her identity and considering that, like you said, Galen and Lyra both told Krennic he'd never win. Jin's telling Krennic he's lost because Jin has successfully merged the influences of her mother and father by rediscovering yep. her mother's faith and hope and fulfilling her father's legacy as a result. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that was just such a brilliant way to bring her identity full circle. I love that so much. Beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And then Cassian shows up. He's not dead yet. Woo-woo! So good. So good. So good. And when he asks her, and do you think anyone's listening? And she says, I do. Like, she's Aww. still hopeful and optimis- uh-huh. optimistic in the face of complete destruction. And yeah. that, that character growth is just so inspiring. Yeah. I agree. And then here comes the, the Hammerhead Corvette. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the most rebel move Follow ever. Follow the Hammerhead Corvette. <laughs> I have an idea. It's so cool. Yeah. What a great idea. Especially, you know, like... The shields on a ship are, you know, energy deflected. So, like, it'll stop blaster bolts and everything, but it's not going to stop a straight yeah, up ship. Yeah, you feel it when that ship hits the Star Destroyer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, prepare for impact. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Such a great idea. Yeah. Like, well, we can't we can't get the shield gate the way we're doing it. What if we just wrecked everything? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Stratus, so you are just... <laughs> That's right, yeah. Dude, that's Radis's like, hype song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good. It's such a good moment, and uh, we get the ghost. Oh, the yeah. ghost is in this yeah. battle. In general, That's pretty the awesome. Rebel fleet coming in, to me, is like the biggest fist pump moment in all of Star yes. Wars. Like, just yeah. coming in, it's stopping so cool. on a dime. It's just, ugh. Yeah. Something about ships coming out of hyperspace. It's, it's just so like, cool. Especially when 50 we have arrived. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. When a bunch do, and I love the idea that, like, you know, they found out that the rebels went to Scarif anyway, and they're like, "I need to talk to Radis. He's already on his way. He was right. he was just waiting for his Radis chance." Radis is like, "I got this." Exactly. Should we ask my Mothma? We asked for forgiveness. <laughs> like, it's so good, yeah. and I just love that he's like you know a Churchill type. Yeah. Delegating everything that's going on, it's like send these people over here. All right, Rogue One, we hear you loud and clear. We'll see what we can do. Like it's so cool. Seeing the Battle of Scarif is one of the best space battles. Oh, it really is. I was just gonna say, seeing Krennic's face as he looks up and sees the Death Star Ugh. is like the biggest stomp uh, on oops. his ego. Yeah, just like, yeah, because oh. Tarkin is the one that's ordering that strike. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. the ultimate. And I love the reflection in his eyes of the beam mm-hmm. as it's happening. Yes. I t- also, speaking of Tarkin being petty, he shoots the tower. Like, well, right. like directly. Yeah. He could, he could have done, you <laughs> know, making... shoot from over there, wait for, yeah, like, wait, wait for the explosion to get to him, and Tarkin's like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Put the trajectory at this. Yeah. So it went through Krennic. Krennic is one of the few people that was, like, directly destroyed mm-hmm. by the blast of the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Like, he's instantly vaporized before it hit the surface. Yeah. He's making a manifesto, just... not a statement. In this, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My God! And then we get Hardcore. your father would be proud, which is oh, oh my God! <laughs> what a the, great the moment scene. of them embracing each other on the beach mm. is like the best way I felt like for them to go like oh not and a, not, and not you alone. see their faces and you see Cassian's face as everything is demolished and 
Well, I think mm, Jin smiles I, when Cassian says your father would be proud because she knows yeah. in her heart that she's released all of her emotional baggage and given mm -hmm. every last ounce of energy she has and made the ultimate sacrifice to give the yeah, galaxy hope. It. It's true. I love the elevator scene right beforehand. Oh, me too. I mean, it's all because fantastic. It's, <laughs> yeah. It is. The, I, I love that there's... Like I've always said, my favorite kind of acting and the best kind and also the most difficult kind is no dialogue. Mm -hmm. Just like the Galen's fact that you have to convey when you know, exactly what sells that scene is Jin. Exactly, a hundred percent. And like the fact that you can convey um, the to be able to convey that depth of emotion without the luxury of words. And I just love Jin and Cassian in that elevator because it's like you know we did everything we did, we sent the message, here we are, and then it's like. We did it. You know, like, there's nothing more they can do. You know what I mean? They know that Bodhi's gone. The ship exploded. There's no way out. It's just like, you know, it, it's a knowing look between the two of, like, this is happening. Like, yeah, we're, it, it is what it looks like. Mm -hmm. You know, just full understanding of the situation and staring it in the face. You know, because they didn't cower from it. They didn't get scared uh, and try to run or hide or anything. They're like, I understand that this was the cost of what we just did. Yeah, and I'm more than willing it. to make that sacrifice. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a beautiful moment. Like the, the star Wars has been doing that lately, which I really, really enjoy. Like the, the last shot of episode seven with Luke turning around, we talked about his face for years. Mm -hmm. Like, is he crying? It looks like his eyes are kind of wet. Like <laughs> his nose is a little crooked. Like, what does it mean? You know what I mean? Right. Like the, they didn't even say anything. He just turned around mm. and we're like, <gasps> I feel, yeah. and this one even that's cranked up to twenty because what's happening? And you know what I mean? The context. I, I hate saying that it's an emotional thing because emotional is just such a loaded term and can mean so many different things. Yeah. But I mean, it really is because like absolutely, like you feel very sad because of how Jin and Cassie are going out, but you also feel inspired by what they've done. You feel proud mm -hmm. of what they've done. You feel a sense of hope you are awed by the beauty of the sequence. And I think like all of these emotions just melted into this sequence just makes it so incredible. Right. Well, I totally agree. And as star Wars fans, we know what happens in the next movie and we know that their sacrifice meant something. It wasn't mm -hmm. just for nothing. And that's what hurts the most is you're just like, okay, they did it, but it's too bad they at weren't there cost? to see it, you know. And no, nobody yep. gets a medal at the end of this movie, like nope. New Hope. Nope. You know? Nope. <laughs> but they're but it's they're true. okay with that. Yeah, oh. it's true. They're they're so attached to the cause and believe in it so much that they don't even need to be around for the result, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Uh, that sort of acceptance and knowing, you know what I mean? Like they they surrender to their fate. Mm -hmm. They gave everything, and that's the. I think that's the craziest part about the whole thing is they don't know if it's going to mm -hmm. work. You know, they're like, "Does somebody hear us?" I think so. I. I mean, I have to believe. But they're. They don't even know. Still hopeful and optimistic, though. And God, exactly. Even without the return of like, I mean, the only person who talked to Radis was Bodhi. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is just doing their best to keep up the fight in the hopes that it works. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, as far Bays, cheer it, Bodhi. They don't even know if Cassian and Jin are still in there. Right. They don't know how far they made up until they hear from them. Right. Like, there's so... Everything is riding on this, and yet none of them bat an eye mm -hmm. when it comes to the time for sacrifice. Right. Mm -hmm. And they give it all, literally. It's... Mm. God, perfect. It's, it's a perfect movie. Perfect. And it is. It 100% is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As if it couldn't get worse. 
you're like does. crying. You're like, man, okay, it's whatever. And then, you know, you get prepare a boarding party. <laughs> you're like, well, that's not good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that when Darth Vader said, you know, like tar- he'll he'll handle the fleet. I'll take care of this. And when Vader says prepare a boarding party, I immediately in the theater was like, oh, it's about to go down. <laughs> that's I know what that means. And then yeah, the scene, <laughs> you know, that it's just beautifully shot the way that they did it you know just the alarms and the smoke mm-hmm. and then the breathing and then the lightsaber Lights. and <laughs> that and that was the part that like i said walking into this theater i told monique i was like if we see his lightsaber it's gonna get pretty crazy but i don't think we're gonna like darth Vader will maybe make a cameo or whatever we'll see him but it's not gonna be you know he's not gonna do anything this is about rogue one and oh when that happened I like started sweating, I and I was breathe. like, oh. "Like I physically, yeah, I, like, just held my breath the entire time." Mm-hmm. And it's like this movie holds no punches. No, he cut a dude in half from the ceiling. <laughs> like it's, he like he took their blasters out of their hands and just cut them down. Like, dude, it's it's bonkers. And the music and the screams and David W. Collins right. <laughs> was doing a lot of the voices there. Uh, he's all over this. Oh movie. yeah. Um, it's amazing. And then Christopher Patrick Nolan is the guy that's like yelling launch and like, you know, take it, take it. Like, and then gets stabbed through the door. You're like, Mother of God, like it does tension so well. And like, you're out of time and it's got to be fast. It's got to go right now. Like that's Rogue One. And it does it so perfectly to where Vader is literally at the door. <laughs> you're like, well, just launch it. Like terror. Well, which is what we should feel it, about It's that very much a reflection of Anakin going to Mustafar to wipe out the Separatists because in both instances, yes. Vader's opponents are just totally helpless against his power and he just channels his rage to annihilate everybody. Absolutely. And I, I love that it takes place in a hallway, mm-hmm. which feels There's even like more no trapped. Helpless. Yeah. Yes. And then the door doesn't open. And you're like, ah! It still makes me super stressed out watching this. It's so interesting, though. Brian and I talk about this all the time on our Patreon show where we're currently reading the Darth Vader comic series because I always say, like, prior to Rogue One, I didn't understand why everybody was, like, afraid of Darth Vader and, like, why is he this most epic villain in the world? Like, what is the deal with everybody's obsession with Darth Vader? And the comic series is now adding a lot more context, but Rogue One was, like, the beginning. It really was the catalyst where I was, like... okay you know like (laughs) i will never ever 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 forget the the way my face just went into pure shock mode watching this and i know i held my breath and i was like pressed into the back of my seat just like oh my gosh get me away from this guy and oh man yeah that's what you should feel though yeah that's because that's the thing is like to run yes like Star Wars is such a part of pop culture now, and it's such a phenomenon just in life now. To where when you, the average person sees Darth Vader, they think I am your yeah, father, yeah. right? Because it was a it was a giant moment. But they forget that he can like force choke people to death over Skype. Mm. Like he's he's calling generals from across the galaxy and choking them to death. He's not even in the quadrant. Mm-mm. Like that is horrifying. Yeah. And, like, imagine if you weren't a Jedi and were just a person. You wouldn't even know what Darth Vader is. No. You're like, that's some kind of monster coming toward me that's moving stuff with his mind right. and just <laughs> killing people. Yeah. Like, Darth Vader is terrifying. And we got to see that on screen mm-hmm. with Rogue One. And we're seeing it very much in the Darth Vader comic. Mm-hmm. They, they really are like, you want to know who Darth Vader is? We don't see a lot of it on screen yet. This. Like, if this, this scene what is. scares 
the life out of you. Mm. Go read the Vader comics. It's even more it's terrifying. Way crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. He's like dismantling yeah. people. Like, Physically it's... ripping their limbs. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. straight Birds. out of a horror movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It really is. Darth Vader is merciless. And we got to see it on screen. Because up until now, you know, we, we'd seen him choke some people out. We saw him use his hands on Captain Antilles. Uh, we see him use the Force. We see him fight Luke. Uh, we don't see him up against unarmed people. <laughs> just slaughtering. <laughs> you know? Like, just asserting dominance and murdering people. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Yeah. It's absolutely it's, nuts. It's it definitely is. a very iconic Ooh. scene. <laughs> I l- it is. I love the last, like, ten minutes of this movie because they just push you into so many emotions, just one after the other, like... You know, it's true. It's unforgiving. And then (laughs) fear and then hope. And it's just like, uh, like so stimulated, you know, as soon as you see Leia, you're just like elated and you're just like, yeah, I think I I think it was very important that they had that last note with Leia. Oh, yeah. You can't just leave us bummed out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just ends with Darth Vader looking off into the windy space. Yeah. And then then it's like the end. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would yeah, be like over here wiping our tears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We needed the Leia thing. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I thought it was a great way to end the yeah, movie. I you know, so just too. Hope. hope. Yeah. What is it they? I love it. Sent us or whatever. I love that. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so fun to watch this movie now and then watch A New Hope immediately after it, and they just oh same like a perfect puzzle fitting together. Mm-hmm. It's true. I it, like even down to like the the bureau meeting. Mm-hmm. There's like really tiny things. Oh, the fact right. that one of those chairs was Krennic's. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. Ouch. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I love the back and forth between Vader and Leia because she straight up lies oh, to his face. Yeah. <laughs> He's, He's like, so I mad. literally just saw you pull out from me. <laughs> yeah. She's like, nope. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. I'm on a diplomatic okay. mission to Alderaan. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, really? Nice try, Missy. I didn't just murder 15 of your guys like a minute ago? Please. Yeah. And she's like, whatever you say. <laughs> you know? I love it. I love, what a badass. Yeah. <laughs> just, think about what Darth Vader just did. Mind you, by himself. And now he's like, you know what? I'm kind of tired. Uh, send the boarding party this time. Mm-hmm. You know, we had him ready. Send them up there. And then he's like, okay, I'm tired of this. Where's the captain? I'm putting my hands on him. Okay, you. Where's he at? <laughs> <laughs> he's just, Vader's pissed. Yeah. And the way that he talks, too, is just very like, yeah, you're part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor, and I'm tired of all of this. <laughs> he's so Get out irritated of here. and annoyed. Exactly. I just murdered 15 people <laughs> and you brought me here anyway. And I'm like, yeah, Vader's, Vader has had enough. And Leia's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just uh, on the way to see my pops. Yep. Yeah. Man. He's like, there's 15 bodies that say otherwise. No, not mine. Never seen them before. <laughs> They're wearing the same uniforms. Coincidence. We just happen to just... shop at the same store. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you understand the Imperial surplus. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any like closing thoughts uh, about the movie that we haven't discussed? My closing thought is I love this movie so much. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. This was like our love letter to Rogue One. Mm-hmm. It is. And it could it have is. been it's three also... more hours long. Oh, it easily could have been. I, I have learned, because I, I, I did a show like this with David uh, a few years ago after it came out, and I've learned that there is no way to do a Rogue One Love Letter podcast and keep it under the runtime of the actual movie. Exactly. <laughs> this is true. 
This is true. Totally we, uh, we I knew that too. That. That's why I asked you before we even started recording. I was like, Jim, how much time can you spend with us today? Yeah. Yep. And like you said, we could have got you a got lot your longer. afternoon locked out. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That's right. There's so much depth to this movie. Yeah. There really is. There really is. It's so funny. We I feel like that always happens with us, Brian. Like when we talk about Star Wars movies, especially when we did the prequel Defense Force episodes, we ended up having to split them up into two because it was like, yep. all right, this is running a little long. And then we're just <laughs> like, but there's still so much more to say. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So this is like the next level in that. So we did the prequel Defense Force. Now we did Rogue One. We've done Solo before. Are we doing another Solo in the lead up to nine or... We're probably just going to call that, call that. I feel like I've said everything I need to say about Solo, but you never know. Perfect. You never know. Okay, so we'll figure that out. And then we're going to do the original trilogy. And then we're going to do the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear we that have a plan. We have a plan to lose all of our listeners right before <laughs> episode nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, the, that's the objective here. Mm-hmm. But now we're Rogue One. Because it is a perfect movie, and anyone that says otherwise can unsubscribe. They are wrong. <laughs> They're wrong, wrong, and we you can you can the door's over there. Yeah, we like we like differing opinions, but not always. No, not when it comes to Rogue One. <laughs> That's right. You show some respect. They are rebellion heroes, and and this is our podcast talking. About <laughs> Well, <laughs> thank you, Jim, for joining us. Uh, thanks for yeah, letting us dude. take well, thank up you so much for having time me. today. This was just of course. The best. I feel like I'm gonna have to read Rebel Rising, and then we're gonna have to have you back on and do another three-hour podcast about how much more we yes. love. Yes, I can arrange that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, That's what I'm talking about. Before we let you go, where can people find you online? So the best place folks can get in touch with me would be Twitter at Jim C Capron. Love it. And Brian, where can people find you online? People can find me online at Jedi Brian everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, Patreon, there's a bunch of cool stuff there. Uh, check out the interesting podcast. It's everywhere. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Uh, the episode that I just released yesterday, actually, is a man named Matt Sterling, who was in Rogue One. <laughs> Coincidence? <Funny enough. laughs> Look at that. Yeah, it's uh, he was a uh, private Calfor, who's the guy who was on the beach that was like, "Come on!" Oh yeah, uh, yeah, he's awesome. He's a stuntman magician in real life, which I know that I don't know how he does it either. He's that cool. Uh, yeah, so we talked to him, and he's great, and he he's done some cool stuff. So check that out on iTunes <laughs> and everywhere else. The interesting podcast with Brian Balance. That's Balance with two L's, guys. Balance. Balance. Yes. Yep. Yes, Brian ba- Brian Balance. Uh, check it out. Let me know what you think. I think you're going to like it. It's pretty good. And I've had a bunch of other Rogue One people on the show, now that I'm thinking about it. Derek Arnold, Tom Wilton, details. All worked on Rogue One. So if you want some more behind-the-scenes Rogue One stuff, I got you, man. The interesting podcast. And I'm done plugging myself because I hate it. How about you, Savannah? Where can people find you? You can find me online at the Dorky Diva everywhere. My blog is thedorkydiva.com. If you enjoy our podcast and if you enjoy Star Wars, um, definitely check out the Dorky Diva Facebook group. We have a bunch of other 
creative people in the group that share their podcasts yeah. and anything else that they're working on. It's a really fun space. Um, if you would like to support us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash the dorky diva. And I want to thank all of our current patrons for being so awesome. And those people are Anthony, Ben, Brandon, Brian, Chris, Daz, Dan, Daryl, Devin, Jared, Jen Marie, JC, Jim, Justin, hey, Katie, Michael, Samir, Cherie, Sherry, and Tom. Thank you all so thank you. much. You the best. Hope you enjoy those Darth Vader episodes because they're getting crazier and crazier (laughs) as it goes on. And we're going to be doing way more Patreon content soon. I think uh, we even mentioned I released. You guys are going to hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I released an episode yesterday and we basically said that next week. um, Well, when this podcast comes out, I think it'll be the week of. But anyways, there should be a new episode out by the time you guys hear this podcast. Um, Yeah. So we're very excited about that. And we're just going to keep telling you guys that we have a really cool secret project in the works, but we're not going to tell you anything about we it. We do. So stay Ooh. hyped for that. <laughs> That's right. It's the. It's going to be good, guys. Yep. It's going to be real good. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Jim, for joining us. Well, thanks yeah. again for having me. I'll uh, I'll take any opportunity to ramble about Rogue One. So I really appreciate you having me on. We're just going to have a Rogue that. One episode every single month. And be like, hey, we're back to talk about Rogue One again. Yep, because it's I so mean, awesome. You. There's a way you could have a Rogue One podcast and just be Rogue One. I mean, for real, you really could. For real, we could. I mean, you could just be so like much the costume content to talk about as well. It's I like, know. It's like let's talk about and the soundtrack. And like we didn't even get to see, that. Brian, maybe that should be a Patreon series. I mean, if you guys want a year's worth of content that's just Rogue One, <laughs> I am more than willing to provide. I don't that really with you. know if anybody would dispute that. Honestly. Nope. Yeah. Also, guys, Savannah didn't use show notes this time. I didn't. And look at how good it was. Interesting how that works. I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> um, until next time, may the force be with you. And Godspeed, Rebels. <laughs> <laughs>